You read the Bible, Greg. You talking to me? Come along, Samuels. Keep up. Wait, wait. Let me let me explain something to you. Uh, I am not Mr. Lebowski. You're Mr. Lebowski. I'm the dude. I don't know how to put this, but I'm kind of a big deal. So what you want? Jesus freaking got a bad feeling about this. King Kong ain't got shit on me. Do I really look like a guy with a plan? Each and every man under my command owes me one hundred net scouts. <laughs> Start see pictures, eh? Oh wow! Thank you for that. Hello and welcome to the Film and Loathing podcast for Sunday, March 8th, 2020. This is episode number 62, and I'm Jake. I'm Chris. And I'm Zach. Coming up this week, we have a review of the new Blumhouse production, The Invisible Man. This is also episode 63. (laughs) Oh, shit. (laughs) Well, there you go. But is it really? Yeah, it's 63. Oh, my Spotify did an update when I took a quick peek at it. <laughs> I should have looked at the title. Um, yeah, I guess we'll also be talking about uh, my, my fuck-ups. We'll talk about some other things that we watched this week and whatever else comes up along the way. So thanks for downloading. Thanks for listening. How are you guys doing this week? Not bad. Not bad at all. <laughs> Like, oh, that's the go-to response. I wait to hear it every single week, and then I can dive right in. (laughs) (laughs) How you guys doing this week? Not bad. Not bad at all. I uh, I made my next tattoo appointment, so. Oh, what are you getting? Or just just off the cuff? I want to know what you guys think about this. It'll be good content for the show. I, I have an idea, but I feel like it might be a bit too dicey for today's climate. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> so it's my idea. So I'm definitely getting the creature from the Black Lagoon. But my idea... That's not going to be like a woman's like mouth around his cock, is there? I... No, that would be cool. It's more like I'm going to have the creature's head right on my tailbone and it's going to look like he's crawling out of my butthole. <laughs> I mean... I guess that's dicey if you plan on showing it to a lot of people. <laughs> I think more the act of showing it to people is dicier than the tattoo. No, my my idea is... What the fuck is wrong with you? Uh, my actual I'm... idea would be... Um, so it'd be the creature coming out of the water carrying the woman like he does in the movie and it would say Black Lagoon's dating service. But I feel like... Why is that dicey? I don't understand. Well, because he takes her against her will and she's unconscious. So, like... Oh, I, I, I feel like it movie. has. I don't know. It has some implications that might not be good. I mean, I guess I, I can totally see how it's a bit questionable. I mean, I, I definitely think you should go with the butthole idea, but that's just me personally. <laughs> um, you're definitely committed on the phrase, though. I mean, if I'm doing away with something, it's the phrase. Okay. Why would you get something that's... Why, like, what was the draw to Black Lagoon's dating service? Just because I think it's funny. Oh, okay. 
just wanted to be sure. It's like a way to reference the creature from the Black Lagoon, but like in an original way. And is the picture it's... in itself not a reference? No, it is, but like... All right. Yeah, it's not iconic enough. Oh, okay. All right, it doesn't separate your tattoo from the other creature of the Black Lagoon tattoos. Right, there's probably a million people with the creature from the Black Lagoon tattoo. This <laughs> no, sets my No, there's apart. not. There cannot be a million people with the creature of the Black Lagoon. Max, seven like... billion people in the world, you don't think there could be a million with that? It's like... No, it's no like way. It's like half a percent. Yeah, and I still don't think that it reaches half a percent. I think that's... Too obscure of a thing for people nowadays to 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 know what it is. There's no. I way. don't think so. I think creature of the black lagoon, million people stretch. I could say maybe five hundred thousand comfortably. Million people's a lot of people. A million people isn't that many people though. It's like I mean, it's probably one world, tenth like, of one percent of the world. And I still think that a million people do not have a creature of the Black Lagoon tattoo. Can I change it to like uh, five hundred thousand? Yeah, that would work. I feel. I feel do like you that's believe more that accurate. number. I don't know. So the thing is, I don't know if I believe. I definitely don't believe a million, but five hundred thousand, I could definitely wrap my head around. Well, I kind of like. I kind of like. I kind of like the phrase, though. I so do I. I just. Don't want to be canceled before my adulthood even starts. Oh, you're already canceled, bud. Dude, if any, if any of us three were to go on to a level beyond just recording this podcast for shits and giggles, we'd have to delete like the first sixty episodes. Do you mean like if we went on to like a bigger and better podcast? No, I'm not saying. That. I'm saying like if you guys actually became the legitimate filmmakers, there's no way that this podcast would be able to stay on air. No, like, no way it'd be able to stay out there without somebody digging digging into deep cut and listening to like under the silver lake and hearing you know one of us say something obscure that they would find as offensive here's the thing i don't feel like i could ever be in that position because i'd feel like the only people that have come in that position are people that make like disney movies Besides, like... And I don't think my sensibilities really cater to the Disney audience. I'm just, playing a, I'm, just playing a character. I'm just playing a character, man. This is not how the real Jake feels. Way to cover your tracks, Jake. Yeah, it's just a character. <laughs> sure. I'll back that. I'll protect you. Look, besides, my... if Lar- look, hey, look, if Lars von Trier can keep making films, I'm sure I'd be fine. <laughs> Even forget that. Roman Polanski keeps making movies. Oh, there you go. And people I mean, you really have to hate leave him. the country to do it, but why do they hate Roman Polanski? Uh, for having sex with underage a... girls. Yeah. I don't, don't know if he's ever no statutory rape. He was convicted and he fled the United States. Yes. To he's avoid in to avoid jail time. Yeah. <sighs> So, like, if he ever yeah, steps guy. foot in America again, like, he'll go to prison. Cancelled. That's kind of fucked, dude. It's also fucked to have sex with underage girls. No, that's what I'm referring to. Oh, <laughs> the fact he'd go to prison. No, oh, yeah, no, Roman Polanski <laughs> going to jail for statutory rape is bullshit. Oh, that's a bummer, dude. <laughs>
If they allow him to make films, then I feel like they have to give Woody Allen a pass. I think he does get a pass. That's... Not with uh, the recent walkouts. His book just got canceled. And Stephen King's pissed. He is. Dude, like, Willie Allen's films, like, I don't know, I'm not that big a fan of them, so I really don't care if he but the continues to make them or not. isn't, are you a fan of Woody Allen? The question is, should he be censored? Maybe. I well, think... That's where we disagree. I don't know. I think it's the publication's right to not release Absolutely, the they're a private company, they don't have to do anything they don't want to do. I think if Woody Allen really wants to self-release, then he has all rights in the world. I don't think he's being censored. You could make that argument, though. Woody Allen should just go to TikTok. Oh my fucking gosh, dude. TikTok would die in like a week if Woody Allen went on. I, I agree. So yeah, could... Woody Allen, get on TikTok, please. <laughs> <laughs> like I agree that the, the publishing house doesn't have to print it, and I believe... Woody Allen could just have the book printed and sell it on, like, his website. But, like, it still raises questions that Stephen King is... Oh, shit, his, his book? right to be mad about. Wait, what? what's his book about? It's an autobiography. Oh. I don't know. I don't feel like that's necessarily a problem to be released. Well, there's he's obviously going to touch on the rape allegations and he's obviously going to say he did nothing wrong so i think that's what people have a problem with yeah but i feel like it so they currently have blocked him can you just file a lawsuit and they would override that no because the publishing company has the right to decline the uh push through of any book so the publishing company was going to publish it until a bunch of their employee employees walked out and said they would quit if they published the book. And so that's when they said, no, we're not publishing it. So, like, at this point, it is basically censorship. Yeah. See, that's what I'm saying. So that why seems it, like that would be... Why does that make it censorship? Because you're bowing to an audience to not print something. So? You are... You are yeah, that's censoring. That... Like, literally, one group is censoring it. These like people are, one these... group is convincing a, uh, a organization no, to not, not release convincing. it. That's insane. Okay, maybe not convincing. One group is coercing. That's yeah, which terrible. would be censorship. What is it? Is it? Is it not? Is it not right? I don't think so. I don't think it's that. It's bad. not like okay. It's not. I don't think it's. I don't think it's censoring somebody because if he wants sure to release the book, it absolutely he can find is. A, he can find a way to release the book. Not if the company has these has the rights to it because they bought it and are refusing to print it. At that point, there is nothing he can do. I guess that's true. Oh shit! Somebody just got a QLED across the hall from me. What do you think, so? Oh, I know. So I'm watching him bring the box in right now. Maybe it's a non. Maybe it's a different TV in that box. They just found the box. They wanted it to seem cool. Sorry, got distracted. Are you gonna go jacket? I mean, I'm like, should I follow them into their apartment? 
I mean, at least figure out which number it is and decide later. Hey, man, this TV looks, like, fantastic. We should, like, totally have a viewing party sometime. <laughs> we can sit down. I'll go buy The Revenant on 4K, and we can pop it in your DVD player, man. You're going to put the 4K in his Don't DVD fucking player? say it. I knew you were going to say something. <laughs> <laughs> it's not going to work, but, like, you can. Hmm. Oh, fuck. Have you gotten a player yet, Chris? No. I haven't been able to muster up the strength to spend do that you kind of money yet own, for a big purpose of my do TV. Do you own The Shining? Or do you own? How, do you own any movies? Any original or any uh, physical movies? Yeah, I own some. Do you want uh, me to most, sell you my Xbox? I have an Xbox. Then what's the problem? What it's an Xbox have? One, right? I have an Xbox One S that plays 4K. I have an Xbox One. If you just want to trade, I'll give you like two bucks. You want to just give me $2 plus an Xbox One? For your Xbox One S, yes. If I were to get rid of it, I would be selling it to simply just buy a 4K player. Sure. I would be giving up a video game playing altogether. It'd be gone. Yes, you would. I don't You're know done, You're done games, huh? No more Call of Duty, going cold turkey. It's the only way to like force myself to not play it. No more NBA 2K. You love playing it, don't you? It's the only way like to force myself to be productive, I think, is to get rid of it. See, I've done this amazing job where I've built up an amazing lie to tell myself about playing video games. What's that lie? As, um, that it's an art form, and to be a truly great writer, you have to study all forms of art. It's like, oh yeah, <laughs> you motherfucker. It's like, I'll wake up at 5.30 and I'll be like, like, oh man, like I could really get some work done. I'll make some coffee, get some work done. Or you have just enough time to play uh, two games of 2K before you have to go to work. And it's, the 2K usually wins. See, that's like why I, got, I got, that's why I like games like Red Dead Redemption 2. Because I'm not going to play unless I have large blocks of time. And that's the problem that. that I have with video games is that I never want to develop large blocks of time to them. It's always very small amounts that just add up in over time. Like when I was playing Red Dead Redemption, it would be very much like I had a day off. Rachel's working. I'm home alone. It's like, okay, I need to get this done, this done, this done. And I'm like, and then I got like two hours left over where I'll, you know, I'll put in some time to beat the game. Or How to like, often you know, do you play the game? The game? Like, do you play it, like, once a week, twice a week, three times? Me or Zach? You. Zach, I'm uh, assuming, is, like, every day. I probably play at least Call of Duty every day, but, like, 2K is not... It's, like, every three days. Okay, so the type of games I play, if I let them sit, I'll never go back to them. So then I feel like I wasted money. So, like, with Red Dead Redemption 2, like, I did, like, a shelf full of unwatched Blu-rays that make me feel like I wasted money. But I <laughs> nah, sit fine the night with those. Nah, I never, I never <laughs> feel. Because someday I am going to watch those movies. I'll never get around to that game. Like, I got Assassin's Creed. Which one? Odyssey, I think it is. What's the one where you're, the like, the, the gladiator type? The Roman whatever. I know which one you're talking about, but I don't know the name of it. Is that Odyssey? It, it could be. I know there's call, one. Yeah. For argument's sake, let's call it. For the sake of the story, let's call it Odyssey. I played that game. 
Then there went a couple days where I was busy, didn't play it. Then it just became like, I don't even want to play that much. And then weeks went by, then months went by. And now it's like, if I were to play it again, I'd have to restart. And I'm not going to restart it. So there, no. that game, done. See, like, there was a point in time where I used to just sit and I would, like, beat a campaign straight. Like, I'd sit there and play Assassin's Creed until I just did almost everything I could do. Like, you know, eight hours, nine hours, ten hours. But campaigns are getting so much more intricate with side quests and shit that, like, I find myself getting distracted on side quests. And then I just don't want to play the game anymore because I'm like, I have no idea where I left off. That's why I have yet to buy Skyrim on a next-gen console. So it's like, I know that it looks amazing, and that I'm going to get sucked into playing it for over 400 hours again. And it's like, <laughs> I'm going to be like, gross. what the fuck? Like, I'm going to have a bow, and I'm going to be out hunting in the woods, and I'm going to shoot a deer, and it's going to say, congratulations, you leveled up your archery to level 5. And I'm going to be like, level 5? That's it? Are you fucking kidding me? And then I'm going to spend the next <laughs> 8 hours just shooting bows at animals in the woods so that I can level it up to at least level like 60, 65. And then I'll never That's a huge again. jump. It doesn't take that long. If, if you only use one weapon at a time, like if you were to only use one-handed or two-handed or a bow, it levels up so quick. Gotcha. Um, but yeah, I like to consume in large quantities and then just move on with my life i don't like it to just linger i get it dude so i crushed red dead redemption 3 in like two and a half three weeks now i'm done with it i'll take it to a GameStop, turn it in for some other turn it in for some credit shit i don't move know on to the next thing it. like i like the games i like playing are the games that don't really have much campaign anymore like i find that but- i really <laughs> like 2k because it's so repetitive and it's the same thing every time. And it's like but the I'll same say, thing with Call of Duty and it's the same thing with like Civ 6. I will say though, I don't game like that much. There's like certain games like I want to check out because like I heard like it's really cool or this is cool. Or like for example, like I just got The Witcher 3 because Rachel's brother is super into it. So I was like, yeah, you know, like I want to be able to like com- converse with him about something cool. So like I picked it up, I'm going to play it. You know what I mean? That type of thing. So like the before I played Red Dead Redemption Two, the last thing I played was God of War Four. I heard that was fucking so. Cool. And then before that, I was in college, and I would like play you know the usuals like Battlefield or play Skyrim, whatever. So I don't play like that much. See, I, I it's just I like large chunks of time. But then like once I played all the games I want to play in that moment, I, I won't play again. Like, after I beat The Witcher 3 and then play Red Dead Redemption just to finish the story, I probably won't play video games for a while, honestly. I'm in that same kind of mode right now. Like, I haven't touched the Xbox to play video games in a while, but the only new game I think I'm going to, I am most definitely going to buy is going to be fucking, um, if they ever come out with a new fucking Elder Scrolls game, which is going to be, like, so fucking far away. And that's another thing too. Like I don't even pay attention to like video game releases. No, not nearly as much as I pay attention to you know like theatrical or Blu-ray releases. So it's just kind of like literally like the week before when everybody's hyping it up on like Facebook or Instagram or something, I'll be like, oh shit, Red Dead Redemption Three is coming out now. Oh cool, I may have to get that. Mm. But other than Adam, I'm, I'm not looking in ahead to see what's coming out. No. 
Nor am I deep diving, you know, in forums or YouTube vids to see what's the cool, like, underground games to play. See, it's also, like, Sunday is, like, the only day that I have, like, off-off. Monday, like, Amy is home, and we usually do, like, whatever bullshit. Like, go to, like, (laughs) you know, like, take the dog somewhere, you know, you gotta go to Walmart and do this, this. Sunday is, like, Check out the new UHD releases. So, like, Sunday is the day that I can watch all the bullshit that I know Amy doesn't want to watch. Or play all the bullshit you know Amy doesn't want to watch you play. It's, like, Slumber Party Massacre 3. Amy's not going to want to watch that. I guess I got to watch it when she's not home. Or, like... That's That's not right up her alley? I don't think it's up anyone's alley. Uh, Zach, I will, oh, this is a good opportunity to ask you. Do you normally pick the movies that you watch? Or there is there shit that like Amy's like, hey, I want to check this out, let's watch it? Or is there, does she mostly rely on like what you want to watch to, to see what she wants to watch? If Amy was picking what we watched always, I would never watch a movie again. It would all be TV shows. Like that's what she is into. Okay. Like it's crazy to me how fast she burns through tv shows well yeah i mean i see her instagram she's up pretty late tell that woman to get some sleep (laughs) and like for me if i want to watch a movie i have to have like three or four ready to go knowing that she's gonna hate so i have a system actually she's not home so i can talk (laughs) about my system i know she doesn't listen to the show so like (laughs) this is how i do it this is how i get her to watch things like mandy now I get her to watch things like The House That Jack Built. Oh, you you made her watch The House That Jack Built? Yes. See, I would never put Rachel through that. I would just find well, the time when she's away. That's me and Amy's common ground when it comes to movies. Like, she'll watch the dumb Adam Sandler stuff that I want to watch. But she also likes horror movies. Not to my level. But, like, enjoys them enough where if I can, I can kind of maneuver my way getting her to see one. Did she see The Invisible Man with you? She did, yeah. Which we could talk about my theater experience for that, and which is why I think cinema should close. But Oh man, I had a great theater experience. So what I'll do, if I want to watch, let's say Color Out of Space is the one that I'm really trying to push next, because I just got it on Blu-ray, I want to watch it. You didn't get it on 4K? No, it was crazy priced, I'm not paying You're that. You're fucked, You're fucked. I'm not paying it. <clears throat> actually, you, you lucked out, this actually... I didn't really like it that much, so... You might, though, because I just said that. So... Number I one in 2020. We'll pick four movies. Chris knows. Two that I know she will hate and not want to watch. And then one that, like, maybe... And then there's one that I can just kind of, like, persuade the way into. Where I'll show her four trailers, and then she'll be like, uh, I don't know, like... Is there one that you kind of want to watch? And I'd be like, oh, man, I don't know. Like, out of the four of those, I guess the color out of space looked the most interesting. And as long as it's not one of the two that she hated, then she's usually going to watch it. <laughs> you're like you're like Chris Tucker in The Fifth Element. You're like the Rain Man of getting Amy to watch different movies. <laughs> <laughs> Have you guys heard the story with Chris Tucker on the in the on fifth set of Fifth Element? Element no. sucks. No, they were trying. Uh, Luke Besson was trying to get Chris Tucker to wear the outfit that he wears in the movie, 
but Chris Tucker thought it was too ridiculous. So what they did was the costume team just kept coming back with more and more ridiculous ideas until eventually the first option didn't seem so bad anymore, so he went with it. Exactly. That's fucking sick, dude. <laughs> it works. You, do you do this? Do you do Me? this too? Yeah. No. Well, so I take consideration. So ever since Rachel and I watched Suspiria together from 1977, ever since we watched that together and I saw, like visually saw the effect that uh, in a, like, a movie-induced anxiety attack induces, Yeah. I'm like... Holy shit. Like this is for real. Like I don't want to put the, through this again. Mm. So like I'm very cautious about what I recommend. So like I really go through it is like okay, is there any like really insane intense like gore or uh are there scenes where like children are being uh, butt fucked or are there you know <laughs> that's that's one of the main criteria are there children being butt fucked so I kind of go through all these options and then you know I'll, I'll limit it down but typically like I don't know so I she's to go not gonna some... watch Irreversible with you she's not gonna watch Irreversible with me <laughs> she's not gonna watch the house that Jack built with me uh see here's you know. here's the thing I think. If it was just Riley Keough getting her titties cut off and, like, just the kids being mutilated after death, like, being, I think Amy would be just fine with that stuff. I think it's, like, kind of the the pretentiousness of, like, all of his ramblings and, like, I think that's kind And definitely the ending. If it's something that is ambiguous that she might not, like, have a clear answer on, she hates it, so... Wow, Chris, you and Amy would get along really well with movies. Uh, no, because she's not interested in watching romantic comedies either. Oh, she, come she on, would not, Amy. She would not watch Hitch with you. Chris, have you seen the movie Everybody Enemy? should watch Hitch. Come on, huh? Chris, have you seen Enemy? No. Mm. I'd be interested to think what I'd be interested to hear what you think about that. What's that? Will you, will you watch it for next week? I will give it a try. It's on, Nef- it's on Netflix. Like, please, will you, like, will you actually make an effort to watch it? Let me see if I can add it to my list. Hold on. Let me... I'll just give you the quick premise. So like, no, no, no. Don't tell him. Don't say anything. Just just watch it. Who's... Because... Is there anybody I know that's in it? Jake, Jake Gyllenhaal. Gyllenhaal. Ah, fuck. You don't Jackie like Jake G. Gyllenhaal? Oh, it's just, like, Jake Gyllenhaal does, like, you know, fucking Spider-Man, and then he does fucking, you know shit like Nightcrawler, and it's just a... That's 90 minutes. That's not so bad. Oh, sorry. Oh, this yeah, guy's gonna like, get a paycheck. Jeez. Yeah, Spider-Man pays his bills, but, like, Nightcrawler is what he is passionate about. No, and, like, that's that's good for him. It's just, like, he does these this indie shit, and then he does, like, a popular movie every once in a while, which... This is from a while ago, so this I is before his fame. I don't know if maybe fame. you've noticed, but, like, that's what every actor does. <laughs> I know, but like this movie's also from 2010, Chris. So I think that was before a lot of the fame. That was before Prisoners, way before Nightcrawler, way before Spider Man. It was this the is same fucking year da- as Prisoners. This is is it 2010? No, it's 2014. What it came out prisoners? the exact same year as Prisoners? It's so Prisoners was 2010. Netflix no, it was says not. 2013. I thought I thought Enemy was 2010. No. What year is it then? He just said no. Enemies 2013 and Prisoners oh, okay. came out 
that had a limited release 2013 and came out wide release in 2014. Oh, okay. I stand corrected. So there, there you go. That's around that time. But I think it might be... It's before after, Nightcrawler. But it's after Day After Tomorrow, right? Right, which would be what got him his fame. Yeah. Nightcrawler? No, Day After Tomorrow. Oh, shit. Okay. Because in 2011, he did Source Code. Fuck, I need to get... I need to uh, rewatch that again. Where he was a big action star. And he's in fucking Jarhead, so like, yeah, what are you That's true. About? That's true. That's true. What the fuck did that guy do? So, yeah, Chris, watch Enemy. I've added it to my list. What is that? Villanue Wave? He did Sicario, life? Arrival, Villanue? Blade Runner 2049. He's doing Blade. Dune. Can't wait. I haven't seen Blade Runner 2049 either. Do you want the Blu-ray of that? Prisoners. Well, I gotta watch the original Blade Runner first, because I don't really want to, like... You don't, but that's okay. Well, I want to. Like, I want to watch them in order. But do you or don't you want the Blu-ray for that? Do I or don't I? I guess so. If you wanted it, you'd have it, because you can get it for, like, five bucks on Amazon. If you pay me five bucks, Chris, I'll send it to you. Plus shipping and handling. Uh, no, you can just give me five bucks. Shipping and handling is not that much. All right. You can send it media mail for like a dollar. Yeah, it's it's pretty cheap to send mail. Where the fuck are you shopping at, bud? It's like, but like you send one Blu-ray in, in the mail, and then it, it the case gets damaged and crack. It's the worst. I just had that happen to me today. I'm not too worried about it. Are you ordering something on like eBay? Spares, though? I do, yeah. I just changed the case. But it still sucks that the case is broke. Where do you get your spares at? Amazon. Oh, nice. Okay, cool. But you just, like, Google Blu-ray cases? I just... No. Amateur. You have to know the dimensions <laughs> of the Blu-ray. It, you make it seem like, you know, I'm going to be hurt by you calling me an amateur on this shit. I search blank Blu-ray case and then the dimensions that I'm looking for. What, is there multiple different sizes? There's different thicknesses. There's different lengths. That you can buy Blu-ray cases that are DVD size, which is disgusting, but you can do it if you wanted to. You can buy some that have... Uh, rounded edges, you can get the squared off edges. It all is preference. So basically nothing that really matters. On eBay, you can get replacement clear criterion cases for pretty cheap. Which I've really want to like switch everything I own into a clear case, but I just can't do it yet. A clear case or clear criterion case? It's just clear case. They're just the same okay. size as criterion cases. Oh, I got you. Everything... Yeah, I'd like to go clear at some point. It's just really expensive. What does that mean? Go clear? I would take like, all my blue Blu-ray cases, I would put the movies into clear cases, switch out the cover art, and I would throw all the Blu-ray cases away. What's the point of that? It Aesthetic. Looks, it looks so nice. I don't like, understand. I gotta look. What was it? What, what do I Google to see this shit? I found them on eBay for like two dollars a case. But like, Clear, you're wait. talking about having that's a lot of cases. Six hundred <laughs> Blu-rays. It's like it's over a thousand dollars. 
Oh my fucking gosh, dude. That's so much money. I, I haven't done it. I'm just saying that that's what it would cost. Tax return. <laughs> Jake, what did you spend your freaking over $1,000 tax return on this year? Clear Blu-ray cases. <laughs> Clear cases. <laughs> my tax Worth return it. went to Lulu's mouth. Sometimes you gotta do what you gotta do. Poor Lou. Well, I suppose some of it will be going to our new tattoo and Blu-rays that I bought, but... Oh. Yeah, speaking of... Um... We gotta get... We gotta talk some, uh... We gotta talk some, uh... Visible Man here. At some point. <laughs> at some point, but... I wanted to ask, what did you get from that Kino sale? Do you want me to list them off? Oh, you don't have maybe nothing that's everything, but what are some of the highlights? What are some of the things you're proud of getting? Let me know how I'm many movies you bought first. Do you want to know how many? Yeah. Uh, eighteen. <laughs> it took him that long. I had to count the the thing. No, I Not get bad. it. I get it. What did you Eight, get? Okay, eighteen. But the most expensive one that I got. Was Astro Zombies that was eleven ninety nine? Everything else was uh, under nine dollars. Astro Zombies. Plus, what I had some a of the coupon for joining Kino Lorber and becoming a member, so I saved even more on top of that. Oh, nice! Astro Zombies sounds like the worst horror movie of all time. Oh my god! I told you <laughs> I'm going to make it one of my Hall of Fame reviews, so you have to watch it. Fuck you. <laughs> its budget have, was thirty seven thousand dollars. Yeah, in nineteen sixty eight. Like what's the conversion rate on that? It's such probably a prude. over a million. Chris, you're such a prude. Listen listen oh, dude, I just fuck you. That movie didn't cost a hundred million dollars to make. Must be fucking garbage. Oh dude, your movie from nineteen fifty doesn't have Iron Man in it. Fuck you. It must be garbage. Listen, I'm not saying hold on wait. It's equal to $280,473.10. Not bad. Not bad. All right, here's, not. here's what I'm the most proud of. Still pretty low budget. Uh, the Astro Zombies, Black Sunday, um, House of Whipcord, Invisible Invaders, uh, Phantom from 10,000 Leagues, Sudden Terror, Transylvania 65,000, and Zoltan, Hounds of Dracula. Nice. I only bought two things. I got Black Sunday and Barton Fink. That was it. Barton Fink. Hell yeah, man. I'm trying to finish my Coen Brothers collection. But I also... Interesting dudes. (laughs) Chris there. (laughs) I'm taking the high road on this one. I have also recently purchased Vinegar Syndrome releases of... Zombie Island Massacre, Hellmaster. Uh, what else was there? Did you get Sex World? Sat- Satan Slaves. And there's one more. Dude, all of these sound like really bad metal bands. I wish they were metal bands. <laughs> Astro wish- Zombies, Black Sunday, fucking Satan Slaves. Satan Slaves yes. sounds like a good metal band. You guys need to get Sex World so we can review that for episode 69. Uh, At this point, it's not on sale, so I'd have to pay like $35 for it. 
That'd be worth it. I don't think it is. It might. It could be though. You don't Especially know. Especially not thing. since I've seen it already. Oh, perfect. So you can just talk. So you can just pick it up for uh, old time's sake. Gosh, how do you guys find out about all these movies? Like, like, okay, okay. Zach is clearly probably one of his favorite genres is horror. What is your favorite genre of movie? I don't really have one, honestly. No. There's nothing if, I really tend to gravitate towards. Too. If you were to sit down and you had to choose, like gun to your head, had to pick something that, like, you can only watch those types of movies for the rest of your life. I don't. I don't know. I don't have. I don't know what to say. Maybe sci-fi. Sci-fi. Only because they offer some pretty interesting stories, I guess. But like a lot of stuff that I like to watch involves. Um. I don't know, it just involves different types of genre. Like Alien, for example, combining like sci-fi and horror. Yeah. Um, I like our, you know, I like I like comedies, but some mostly mixed in with like dramas or horror. Is there like common themes that you tend to gravitate towards? I don't know. I guess I'd have to really sit down and think about that one. Hmm. Typically, a lot of what I watch depends on what I'm working on. Yeah. Yeah, I, I can see that. Um, mostly just for, like, to always keep the feel of something. Or, like, see what others have done to either, like, copy it or do it differently. So, sometimes that depends. Um, trying to draw inspiration and shit. Yeah. How's that stuff going, by the way? Good. I'm starting a new one right now. Jeez, how many do you have? Um. Well, so I just finished the vampire story, and I'm nice. gonna let that. I'm gonna let that sit for a while. <laughs> how many pages is the draft? 174. <laughs> you got it down? No, I haven't touched. I haven't touched it at all. Didn't you say you were going to try and... Oh, no, I was thinking of something else. We were saying that, like, there was a movie that was, like, original Bottle Rocket was, like, 250 pages? Yeah. To yeah. start, yeah. That was, that was what I was thinking of. Uh, no, 174. So, but that's... I'm going to let that sit for a long time. Yeah. Like, basically, however long it takes me to write this one. Do you have, like, a dream project? Yes. There's one that I'm, like, basically just, like, I keep... Every time I write, I get a little bit more until yeah. I'm, like, ready to write this one. Is this something that you, like, slowly hack away at, or is it something that you're constantly working on? No, it'll be it – is, it's more something that, like, I'll, like, digest it, sleep on it, think on it, and be like, I'm not quite ready yet. Okay. Well, let's finally talk some Invisible Man, huh? Let's do it. All right, so The Invisible Man is uh, written and directed by Lee Wanell. Stars Elizabeth Moss, uh, Oliver Jackson Cohen, Harriet Dyer, Aldous Hodge, Storm Reed. And the plot synopsis is when Cecilia's abusive ex takes his own life and leaves her his fortune, she suspects his death was a hoax. As a series of coincidences turn lethal, Cecilia works to prove that she is being hunted by someone nobody can see. What did you guys think of The Invisible Man? 
Well, I didn't love it. Um, I liked it quite a bit. I think Elizabeth Moss is really good, as always. Um, not quite on her smell levels, but still good. Six out of five. I think the camera work is pretty interesting. I like some of the direction. I I really like the choice of using like some wider angle stuff, leaving a lot of negative space. It's like it, I I find it to be similar in a way with like it follows, where in it follows you're never sure who the it is and like so you're constantly kind of scanning the screen to like see what might happen and in this one you're never really sure where the invisible man is so you're still like scanning the screen to try to figure out like where he could be if something's moving like stuff like that and i think that really works to keep you engaged what did you think chris um, really, essentially what I have written down is kind of like the same stuff. Um, I definitely felt it was long. I felt like I didn't really care for the sister character. I kind of wanted her to go that entire time. I would have cut everything out that she was in. There wasn't even that much of it. It's like three yeah, scenes. I still would have cut it all out. I don't think you need her there in order to drive it forward but i still don't think that it needs to be two hours long i think you can still get the point across i like that they didn't show for sure the boyfriend's or the husband's face this is his name adrian's face the entire movie until the very end but even then i still would didn't really care to see his face i wasn't really interested in that are we doing spoilers uh no, keep it spoiler-free. We can do a spoiler section if you want. I mean, I, there's obviously things to talk about in spoilers. Sure. For the moment, keep it spoiler-free. Uh, for starters, I'll say I love the opening. Yeah. The opening well, I'll go, I'll go back a little bit further, Zach, and say I love the opening credits. I don't think they stick. Ugh. They're gone pretty quickly. I would have liked them to have lingered a bit more. I mean, that's not how the Invisible Man works. It's kind of quick, pretty quickly. Uh, he kind of is uh, in her space for long periods of time, so no, that's not how he works. I mean, shit washes off him pretty quickly. When did he get shit on him? Yeah, paint on him. <laughs> that went away pretty close, or pretty quickly. Too quickly. Somewhere. Yeah. But anyway, anyway, sorry, you were uh, explaining how you love the opening. I love the opening, yeah. And I think um, I was listening to an interview with director Lee Wanell from Saw fame. He's in the first Saw movie and wrote the first three. Big Saw guy. I like Saw. Real Saw head. And uh, uh, he was saying in the interview that he, there are like subtle things he does to kind of show Adrian's control over her. And the first one being like the opening, like where she's they're sleeping in bed and like his arm is over her and it's like that right there tells you everything you need to know about their relationship that he is constantly in control of her 
And I think the fir- the film's first like jump scare was really effective with him like literally punching open the window when she's trying to get away. I liked all that. All of the stuff in the beginning is really good. And even the house is amazing. The house looks great. I wouldn't live there. Doesn't look like a home. Okay. <laughs> get out of here. <laughs> um, well, I say I... What? Huh? I was going to say, like, what Christian said, does it look like a home? It's like one of the douchey things someone on, like, House Hunters show would say. Yeah. <laughs> I like it, but it doesn't, just, it doesn't really look like a home. <laughs> Am I wrong, though? Have you been watching Have you been watching a lot of International House Hunters lately? No, but I will for next okay. week. Nice. Enemy <laughs> and International <laughs> House, Hunters. House Hunters. Check. Um, I loved it. There's definitely some issues with it, um, but way more to love than to not like, I would say. Uh, I think it was probably one of the more thrilling and intense movies I had seen in a while. Uh, just to echo what you said, Zach, yeah, you're right. A lot of that wide-angle stuff works really well, where a lot of the times you, your eyes are looking around the screen and trying to figure out, you know, is that blanket moving? Is there an object sliding across the table? You know, different things like that to kind of keep you on edge. And, like, I think it, there's just, like, something... I think there's something intrinsically creepy about the idea of like somebody watching you and you can't see them. So a lot of the scenes where they're literally just pointing a camera into a corner and you're you're not sure if he is or isn't there or not, but it's it's enough to get under your skin. I thought that was all incredibly effective. Not to top like to top it off, like I think Elizabeth Moss is great in it and definitely carries a lot of the heavy lifting in this and carries it well certainly i think like the scene where she burns like the bacon and like the eggs or whatever and like you she goes to wake up whatever the daughter's name is i can't remember but like it just the camera just stays after elizabeth moss exits the frame and it's like you know it's staying for a reason so you're constantly just like looking to see if something is moving and like i i I think that is like the sort of tension that it achieves multiple times. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think another really effective scene was in the bedroom, like at night, sort of the first time he starts to really mess with her. Like I thought that was very effective. Um, Any times in that in that small house by the police officer, I thought worked really well, because the layout of the house is like it, it seems like it's a fairly decent sized house enough spots and corners to hide him but the hallways all feel so narrow and claustrophobic that at the same at the same time there isn't anywhere to hide it's like a funnel i really liked um like like chris was saying he thinks it's too long to a certain extent i agree but i also really disagree because it really allows for you to kind of feel elizabeth moss's paranoia and it allows you to live in that space and like you really kind of get the sense that she is going crazy but at the same time you know that she isn't and like i love the small details of like well i guess they're not small they're pretty big plot details of like 
the invisible man doing something and then making it look like Elizabeth Moss did it. So like the scene at the scene at dinner that is a big turning point. And then yeah. even just like the slapping of the daughter, like like she's claiming she didn't do it, but like you're the only one there, so you must have. Like it's like it's frustrating you, the viewer, are feeling frustrated for her because you know that she's not doing these things, and yet no one is believing that she isn't. Yeah, and she's, like, just mentally unstable enough, or, like, seemingly mentally unstable, where you're like, oh, shit, like, I totally get why you think she would, but she didn't! Come on! I, to go back to that, I think just how they took the idea of the Invisible Man and made it applicable and updated it to 2020 was yeah. really well done. That was like one of the main things that stood out for me was how they adjusted over time because I, I didn't know that there was a 1933 version, but like until Jake said something, but once I found that out, I kind of like read a, read a brief synopsis about it and I was like, they kind of really did a good job on that. Oh yeah, the only thing that's similar is that there is an invisible man. Yeah, no, I, I, I definitely distinctly remember, like, thinking and telling Rachel that it was, like, a great, like, a, like almost, like, spot-on representation of, like, what gaslighting a person is like. Yeah. Uh, we can talk about this a little bit more in spoilers, but I love how he becomes the Invisible Man. I thought that was really clever. This is where we get into my problems with the movie. Where I don't have a lot of problems with it, but the ones that I have feel like kind of big deals. So, it's it's also kind of my problem with like modern horror movies in general, which is that they sort of feel the need to ground things in reality and make them feel as if they could happen in the real world. And I... I kind of dislike that. I I don't really feel like the explanation as to how he can become visible in this movie in the suit, like it just didn't really work for me. I don't really get why it needs to be so grounded in reality. It well like it doesn't necessarily feel grounded in reality per se. It feels more grounded in that reality. Like it feels believable for that world do you know what i mean it seems within the spectrum of possibility for us because like like it's something that you can comprehend in your head somebody doing at some point in time and like also like like, that's what i'm saying like like, so take like the 1933 one i haven't seen it but i met but from what i've heard about it's he does it through like a chemical right or like a surgery or something that he does right yeah he's experimenting with chemicals and it turns him invisible sure so like today that just doesn't really make sense, right? Because like, that's not what we're doing scientifically. Like, we're exploring tech. Like, we're exploring the insane shits we can, like, shit we can do. So if- I'm saying, like, you don't have to tell me how he becomes invisible. I'm willing to accept that he is. That something happens, and he just is now. So what's your issue with it being there? Because, because I feel like it's only there so that it's not so that you can't look at it and go well how did he become invisible like i feel like it's explaining something that i really didn't need explained mm, not only I that feel like, 
I feel like, like they more introduced it more for like a direction to take the movie and not in not what you're saying that it's just like a way to sh- explain it off like it feels more like they put that in there so that they could use it later for something else and I don't like what they use it for either so. fair enough fair enough the way it ends you mean yeah I'm completely down with it dog I I'm we can get into I'm it okay spoilers. with it to an extent I'm just I'm just saying like if we didn't know that he had this suit and we just know that some invisible force is stalking her it's enough for you for her just to think that it's Adrian like that is enough. It doesn't actually have no, to be a real thing. No, but that's the thing, is that when you ground it in a sense of reality, it kind of justifies the complete last, well, like, half hour. Okay, but, kinda, well, no, but, but, think, like, about, but think about it this point, way. No, no, think about it this way. Think about this way. Think about it this way. Think about it this way. Go ahead and think about it this way. I got one, <laughs> way, I got one way I want you to think about it. I want you to think about it this way. It's called the Invisible Man. So I feel like at some point you have to see a man be invisible. And if you if it's never explained, then it just kind of feels like something supernatural, right? That's exactly what I'm saying. Is that's what I'm I'm trying to get at. Right, but okay, but what I'm saying there's like a physical is, man behind it. There is no manifestation of evil or God or a demon or anything. It's a man. Okay, but what I'm saying is that it, the invisible man is clearly being used as a metaphor to explain like the messiness and the emotions that come with an abusive relationship and how that hangs over you as you go through life after it's over or even during it. And so for it to be an actual person stalking her, doesn't it kind of cheapen that metaphor? No, because it's called the invisible man. No, it's not cheapening the metaphor because it's, basing that metaphor in more of a realistic sense but it's, it, it's no but longer it, like her but see, it's, but feeling it's literally... like adrian is like stalking her it is literally someone like it's not it's because not her it's feeling like that feeling. because it's not her feeling like that because of the relationship it is literally that happening yeah her. but that's so what gas... maybe you can justify holding off on his you know a uh, confirmation that he's there but you have to have him there for it to go anywhere or else it's just a story of a woman trying to get over an abusive yeah, relationship. Yeah, but also like you but could why is, substitute... My question is why isn't that enough? Yeah, but like, because what I'm then saying what's is the, like... Uh, what's, the, what's the excitement behind the invisible man? I'm not saying that that story isn't enough to justify a story in itself. But I'm when not you're having a battle of two forces, which the invisible man is a battle of two forces, but, like, you need a literal... you're taking away one of those forces completely and therefore you're left with just a story based on one person instead of two. You need a literal person in there because, like, in these kinds of relationships, like, it is literally somebody doing it to you. Okay, I, I'm not fine. I'm okay with there being an actual invisible man. But I'm saying I don't need to explain to me how he became invisible. Like, I don't need that. And just his presence in the movie alone, like, through messing with her, I feel is enough to get that across. Especially since it makes it so obvious what it's a metaphor for i don't think they sat in it too long enough for it to be that big of an issue like i don't think they were sitting there in marvel of this man's genius for like an hour and a half of the movie like there are brief moments where they acknowledge that he is capable of doing something like this but that says more about the man than the tech but but him them just saying that he is capable of it is enough for me like i don't need to see the suit i don't need to 
get some weird ex like her sneaking into his house which a i don't actually believe she would do and like i don't need to see her figuring it out and like going into his lab and like seeing like all of that to me the feeling of too long that is sort of some of the stuff that they could have cut and they could have left it like ambiguous enough like enough for you to know there is an actual person doing this to her but not enough to know how you we obviously already know why but like i guess i like it just it gets very bogged down in those details that i feel are very unimportant i don't know i think there's something that happens at the end that we can talk about in spoilers that like you kind of need to show it to then also relate it to sort of these uh, this abusive type right where somebody the abuser tries to play the victim right but the movie doesn't really take a stance on that either like do it mean? doesn't confirm or deny that entire plot of the movie that's true see that's but well, i mean like the thing is that he was an absolute shithead i think that's right what the we, we know he's a scumbag he, yeah but in terms of like the plot of like what took place we don't actually know if he was or was not behind. I mean, it. you. Fucking but in know. the end, I don't think you know. But I don't. I you think know. End, I don't you think don't, there's enough there for you to say you know. You don't know. <laughs> but in the end, but in the end, to her, it does not matter. That's that's true. that's in the end. That's what's so important is that it does not matter to her in the end, and it doesn't matter to the, something. Else. No, you know enough about his character to know. You know that he's capable. You know that he could do it. But like her and like every single other person in the story, there is no confirmation. Therefore, you have no clue. And there's no hint but like, that he did even, any of this. Even if it is him like that plotted the whole thing, the then like revelation of when she takes off the mask and finds out who it is makes no sense either. Like There are flaws with that plan. But isn't that sort of like... Whether he knew about it or not. Isn't that sort of like real life though? The, the, the murkiness of abusive relationships and the he said, she said of it? that doesn't fit i don't think with the scenario like like with with where it goes i don't think there is a murkiness well no no i believe there is one but i feel well, like no no this is so extreme that i don't think there's a murkiness like we learn enough about him through her point of view from the movie to know that he's a piece of shit but like i feel like that's a hundred percent enough yeah to know yes yeah, enough to know that he would do it and he right. does it. But knowing it's whether enough... he did do it's a different story. Right. He fucking did it. Can it's we just like, talk about it's like, like it's like okay, OJ OJ was convicted, but we've already like or he was in, he was acquitted, in, but you fucking know he did it. We've already uh, proven innocent in a court of law, my friend. Uh not proven guilty in a court of law. There's a difference. That's true. Not yeah, not proven guilty. guilty. Exactly. But it's like, it doesn't mean he didn't do it. Doesn't mean he didn't. Uh, okay, sure. Let's, we can move, let's move on to spoilers then. Uh, star rating for The Invisible Man. Or first off, did you say, is there anything else you want to talk about that's not just simply plot related? Um, There's one specific shot I'd like to pinpoint out. Please. It's when she's inside the house and he's walking along and there's that swing shot along the wall that rises up into the corner. Yeah, that they opens use, you up. The movie was shot with um it was a motion camera, so it's done all real like via computer and robotically. So it's all like that's why it's so smooth. Like there is no 
human camera operator on the movie. That was a beautiful swooping shot that opened up the entire room. Oh, actually, there is something I want to talk about that's not spoiler. Do you... Do you guys feel like the scene in um, the institution just came completely out of nowhere? It definitely gets there. Which one? It definitely gets there. Like the like the part where it takes a brief hiatus from being like a thriller suspense movie and becomes an action movie for whatever oh. fucking reason. Yeah, I, I did become curious as to how Adrian had all this skill. Right. So it's, it's not thing. enough that he's stalking her. Like, he is now, like, a really good fighter. I wasn't as thrown back by that just because, you know, people are going to be shocked and they're either going to, A, you know, lash out and try and just attack anything and everything, or B, they're just going to, like, sit free. Although, okay, though technically this kind of gets into spoiler territory. Who we know about is in the suit at that moment. Maybe that's why it gets so crazy. Well, but at the same time, it's like, I I believe it if it's like one or two security guards, but it's like four waves of them that he it just did turn into the, through. It did turn into yeah. the Matrix at, at one point. <laughs> yeah, and that's kind no, of I where that. I was like, uh, this is a very weird tone that the rest of the movie has not shared. Yeah, and then like, it kind of just looked like he was trying to fit blood in for some reason. Like when he shot that dude in the kneecap. I like. I mean, I like the scene. I just don't know as if it fits in this movie. Yeah, it kind of seems. Well, I feel like that's a that's a that's a byproduct of like the scene that came before it, right? And it felt like that scene was simply just for like shock value. Well, the scene in the restaurant. I mean, I think there's a there's a targeted purpose behind the motivations to do that. But I think there's another way you can go about it to get rid of the sister character. I don't... I mean, I'm fine with that scene. Not and even I'm fine that. with her, like, knowing that Adrian is there. And her, well, like, look, trying to kill herself because she knows he will stop her. I thought yeah, that was really good. Oh, that, I'm fine with that. I just feel like the movie builds, right? Builds, builds, builds. And then at a certain point, I feel like it can branch off different ways. And what the restaurant and on is like one branch that it could have gone. It feels like there's other potential routes that could have been explored. And I think they went with that route because it was like, hey, this is kind of shocking. This will this will catch him off guard. So let's go for it. Also, it's an interesting to note that this could be an entirely different movie where it starts with her getting at the insane asylum, like at the institution. You could start the movie there as well, and it could still have the same story. Where do you go? I mean, it's more of like, is she crazy or is she not? No, that's lame. That's been done yeah. enough. No, I mean, it's true because it could give you some sort of sense of questioning. Like, yeah, a is it all in her head? <laughs> okay, well, that's what the movie's doing anyways. Like, why not just fully commit to that? I don't think it's saying is it all in her head. You obviously know who's yeah, behind you, it because it's you, called as The an Invisible audience, Man. As an audience member, you know who's all behind it, but every other person in the movie is going, is this real or is it all in her head? No, they're not saying is this real. They're saying this is all in her head. Yeah, right. but there's like no question. But in I their think minds. that's supposed to come with like the frustration, right? Because like the frustration of saying somebody is a somebody is verbally and physically abusing you, and somebody and they don't nobody believes it. 
Does it? Uh, maybe I shouldn't ask. So that's because that's like a pretty big theme, right? So I feel like you still have to make that work within the movie while still grounding it or like being able to rate it, relate it to how that works out in reality. So Zach, you are the editor. You can ask any question you want and take true, it out. I can edit it out. <laughs> okay, so why is it spoiler related? I, no, no, no. It's more like maybe you're a piece of shit for asking. So I I understand the movie is trying to say that when women come forward, you need to believe them. But does any part of you like wish you had seen him in full like douchebag mode to her? Instead of it all just coming from her point of view? No. No. Because I don't think a sane person punches through somebody's window. Yeah, that's that's, true. That's the justification for the entire thing. I'm not saying I don't believe her, but I'm saying, like, like it. I I guess I forgot about the window breaking scene. Which is funny because you literally pointed out at the beginning of the review that you loved it. (laughs) I did like it. I like it a lot. I'm just saying there's. There could the let's say the defense lawyer team would come into this situation and say like well this is all he said she said where's your proof where's your evidence that he was doing any of this stuff to you well that's the big thing about the old emotional abuse right the emotional abuse side of it anyone she did say anything say, to get a restraining order because she like, said where's that your proof in a court of law yeah because she said um, that he would hit her, right? But it seems like that was less common than him just simply phys- like emotionally and mentally abusing her, making her feel worthless. I even just making her feel worthless, making her feel like he she was under his thumb. I just thought I would ask. I I'm perfectly fine with how it is. I just was wondering. Yeah. But yeah. Seeming how is that? Seeming as how he punches through a window. It's Even true. before that, in all honesty, like it's, I'm watching a movie, and it's safe to assume that I'm watching something that's not going right if she's running away. But you're right. You take out that scene, and there is nothing in the movie that proves that he's anything. It's yeah. True. Yeah. But uh, I have no problem with how it unfolds. Okay, that was the last piece I wanted to, to wanted to mention. Uh, yeah. Um, I like the well. I will comment. I like the store the score. Quite a bit. I think it added to some of the creepier moments. Like especially when I think oh. off the top of my head, like in the attic, it's definitely pretty suspenseful. The when she puts the coffee beans out, or coffee grounds on the floor. The intro, like that, be- that uh, beginning sequence, the sound in that when she's um, going downstairs, and she like kicks the kicks. Oh, the bowl! The bowl. Oh, I like, like the sound design where you can like just faintly hear like footsteps across the floor, but you're not exactly sure if you heard it or not. Yeah, I like the scene when she keeps calling his phone because like very early in the scene you can very very faintly hear like vibrating but you're not certain if like it's in the movie or if you just know she's calling something so you think you can hear the vibration you know what i'm talking about yep but it like increasingly becomes louder and louder so you know that it is actually in the movie yeah no a lot of that stuff was 
like ex like so it's very I think like, when something's that simple, it's very easy to like botch it. And I thought this movie like pulled off all those little intense moments like so perfectly. One like, thing that I I think is interesting, not about, like it's more just like about how the movie was made, not about like anything within the movie. So the American budget for this movie was seven million dollars, and but he was saying that they they did they filmed everything except for some aerial stuff of San Francisco in Australia. In Australia, seven million U.S. dollars is like fourteen million Australian dollars. So they basically like doubled their budget just by shooting in a different country, which allowed them to do more stuff. Oh, interesting. Oh, that was interesting. I would love to see like a behind the scenes, like doc. Like I hope when they like release the four K of this, there's like a behind like a making of doc. I bet there was so much like goofy shit going on. Like you look at a dude in a green suit just like stepping on a blanket that's being pulled, and he's just like really focused on where he's stepping. Uh, a lot of it could be wires, and a lot of it could be compositions of different shots. Oh gosh, when she was like fighting with him, there's no way that that wasn't a man in a green suit. Uh, no, it wasn't. So what it is is like. Hold on a second. So part part of it was, but part of it is also like composing four different shots into one. So it's like you're taking so she obviously Elizabeth Moss has a stunt double. So it's they film up to a point where she's getting ready to throw herself across the table. They cut, in comes the stunt double, they shoot her throwing herself across the table, cut, they replace a Elizabeth Moss in the exact same position, the stunt double left off, and they continue and they shoot the scene from there and they just stitch it all together. Okay, so portions of that shot were made with, um, like, a man in a green suit. Because, like, with the pulling and the pushing, the throwing and all that stuff. Right. And then the okay. table is all wires. They just yanked it out. I get that. But, like, I'm talking about, like, when she's being, like, dragged across the floor or something. Do you think that's wires? Could be. Or, like, when the knife is, like, floating in the air as he, like, picked it up or something. That's probably green suited stuff. Erasing people from the frame. But, like, you can, like, shoot a scene and then remove all the actors and shoot the, the, shoot the scene again where and then just morph the two together to make it what you want it to be. Hmm. Wait, what do you mean shoot it with with the actors and shoot it again? What is that? You meaning, like, without? Or how do you shoot a scene without the actors? It'd be, like, the location. You'd shoot the location. You'd take, like, a million photos of the location and then you can graph those on to your scene to remove things and people oh i see okay cool yeah i'm gonna say that because the effects looked looked fairly good i like the scene where she fights herself that was pretty good yeah um almost uh, as good as old eddie norton in fight club almost pretty darn close Mm -hmm. uh anything else before we move on to spoilers all right, no, we're gonna give, we're gonna give it a five stars. Four. A four. I'm going four and a half. Uh, stay tuned for after the show for a spoiler discussion of the Invisible Man. Stay tuned right now for the spoilers of Invisible Man. All right, so let's get into some spoilers then for the Invisible Man. If you haven't seen the movie, stop listening now. 
She murders him. She murders him. <laughs> uh, so Zach, there was something you were dying to bring up that was spoiler related. So bring, go ahead. Let's get into it. So I feel like the reveal that it is the brother that's stalking her. That one time. I could, I could have been fine with that. But then it keeps going, and it's like, oh, he was trapped under the stairs in the basement. That's kind of like, what the fuck? And then it could have ended there, and then it does the extended scene where she goes back to his house for dinner, and that's where it ends. I just feel like there's one too many places where the movie could have just ended. I kind of agree with that. I do believe that when you have that ending that they did, it kind of brings it back to the domestic violence you know kind of grounds it in that at the very end of the movie i think it's cathartic for her and like that's nice but at the same time i feel as though like i don't know like is that really a a character choice that you can root for now like i guess my one problem with the ending is that it no longer become like the suit no longer becomes metaphor it becomes literal and that's right. my problem with the like, suit in, as a whole. Him, like, her, like, literally becoming invisible through this suit just so she can exact revenge on him and kill him. Like, I guess I didn't exact... I, I didn't exactly mind that she did it. There's, I guess I'd just be, like, one minor nitpick, one potential way to look at it. I will say it goes on for maybe two and a half minutes too long. I don't care for the stuff at the end with her talking to her cop buddy. And basically, yeah, basically, and basically saying like convincing him that he killed himself. But like, no, it wasn't. Well, obviously, him he knows what her. happens. He, yeah. that's what I'm sa- they're that's just what I'm agreeing saying. to cover it up. Sure, sure, sure. That's what I. That's what I mean. Like, I didn't really care for that that much. That seemed like it went on a bit too long. I didn't need it. I personally would have loved if it's her crying on like the phone, and then just cut to black. You're done. No, oh. I feel like she needs to have that one. There was that one word she says to him? Surprise. Surprise. And then cut it there. That's fine. I, I'm, I'd be fine with that too. That would be. But cool. like, what is? What the fuck is she gonna do with the suit? Why does she need it? Like, what? What is this gonna do for you? <sighs> this is a sequelized opportunity. No, no. What are they gonna do with it? Where would they? That's go? what I'm saying. Like, I don't does know. She have any use for it? You'll have to ask. Me I think one she's now. just trying to get rid of it because they know that this man had a suit that had or, a capability. So or, if they know that there's a double, then they, there's, if the suit's there, they know that there's a chance that she did something. Or theoretically, she has to get rid of it. Theoretically, there's only two people who knew about the suit and both of which are dead. So like, what is, who's it in Steve keeping from? And also, if someone were to find the suit, why would they then use it to stalk her? Like, that doesn't make any sense. The stalking of Elizabeth Moss is very specific to one individual. No, I'm not talking about the stalking. I'm talking about the the killing at the end. It's going if to become... If she leaves the suit there, and then she just decides to walk off without the suit, then there's a, there, there's a chance that the police think that she murdered him. Possibly. Well, she, she did. But... Yeah, but, like, you don't want the... She doesn't want the police think that. She doesn't want to go to jail. <laughs> she takes it because it's going to set up the invisible woman where she's a vigilante. Q. Fantastic Four. Oh man. Yeah, she's gonna become a vigilante and get revenge on people who are abusing their partners. But like, male or female, she... she doesn't discriminate. 
why does she get to do that? Why can't she hand the suit off to someone else so then they can do it? Because then it's not the police Because it's not really a good superhero origin story, is it, Zach? If you just hand off your suit to somebody else. If this becomes a superhero origin story, it will truly mean that original films are dead. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. Mm. Not to mention, uh, James Wan is attached to direct another Universal Monsters remake produced by Blumhouse as of yesterday. Oh, what's that one? Uh, they haven't said. They just have said they're going to do another one. Because what do you think this one was successful. What do you think it's more likely to be like the Wolfman or Creature from the Black Lagoon? Or another mummy? I hope Creature from the Black Lagoon is never remade. Okay. I know it's not going to happen. I know someone will do it eventually because if they make one more, which I think I think it could be Frankenstein. Uh, yeah, it could be. We haven't seen a Frankenstein movie in a while. Um, if that one does well, I I feel like then they do all of them. But like, I think what people are not remembering is that it's very easy for your movie to be successful when it's made for seven million dollars. So like, you put it in wide release, a lot of people go see it. You make money on it. Like the reason the Mummy failed is because it was a hundred and twenty million dollar movie. Like there's so much more you have to make back for that movie to be considered successful. True. And this is very simple, right? Like, you're, like, literally, like, pointing a camera into a corner, and we, the audience, are being like, shit, there's an invisible man there. But they literally have to do nothing but point a camera on a corner. And it's it's original storytelling. Like, yeah. it kind of gives you hope, like, there is still room for original <laughs> movies to be made. Well, so how do you think they could do Frankenstein in a modern... Like, with a modern twist. It would, it would be interesting. Another, like, probably another commentary on technology, probably. No, I feel like you can't do that with technology, because then you're just Again, getting into cyborg territory, I'm which fine. changes Frankenstein maybe in it's general. A, maybe it's a cyborg Frankenstein movie. Ah, I guess. I'm fine with there being no modern update on it, and you just trying to redo the Frankenstein story. I just googled Universal Monsters or whatever. There's yep. one called Pillow of Death. What are the Universal Monsters? Dracula, the Mummy, Frankenstein, the Wolfman, Creature from the Black Lagoon, and the Invisible Man. So I feel like a Dracula remake's definitely coming. Well, at some point, Robert, Robert Eggers has been attached to Nosferatu for six years. Yeah, so. but I don't think. But that's not that's not Universal Monsters. Like a. I don't know. I feel like I feel like Dracula is the least is the one I would least like to see. I feel like Wolfman would be pretty challenging. There's so many good Dracula movies. Like, I, I don't need another one. Yeah. See, the thing is, like, all this stuff started becoming about the monster. And I don't necessarily care for that. Anyway, back to spoilers. Yeah, back to, back to the Invisible Man. So, you're telling me that you think there's enough evidence within the movie... For you to say with confidence, Adrian was behind. Okay, not in a court. Not <laughs> if you want to take the court of law argument, no. But I mean, who else? I just don't think it fits the tone or the theme of the movie for it to be the brother. That just doesn't make any sense. I don't think it being the brother fits in general. Well, like it fits. Because, what is his motivation to do it at all? Well, okay, so then that becomes under Adrian's mass manipulation made him made him do it. And then it also, Elizabeth Moss knows 
knows that it's him. So he's doing some desperate effort to say that he was under, like, tied up under a house, right? Because even the police officers are like, well, Cecilia, she was tied up under his own house. You know what I mean? So, like, it gives him deniability to the police, but reality that he's just a master manipulator. That's just him coming in. But I just have a problem already, with him coming like, back. Publicly, if he... He's already publicly committed suicide. He has no power over his brother anymore. His brother can literally refuse to do anything because he has to remain in hiding. So like, that's public... why it doesn't work. If he publicly committed suicide, how did he just come back to life? That's a good point. Not explained. Yeah, that that's something that's definitely curious about. But I'm saying, like, that's deep being... hoax. That's deep hoax territory. Well, like, keeping him dead, keeping him dead is completely within the cards, and you cut out that entire last scene, and then it kind of makes it realistic that it would be his brother. But, like, why, but why it, would it being it, the brother so, like, really cheapens his... the metaphor of the abusive relationship yeah, like, and staying with you? But they ask you this question. Why it do, doesn't, why though, because like brother... you said, a lot of it's mental, and that's that's the idea that you were trying to preach earlier, is that okay, the but... idea of it more than the actual presence of it. What does the brother have to gain presence. by doing this to Elizabeth Moss? If she, it, maybe they can put a law you. into place that if she That's why it doesn't, doesn't make any sense that it's him. If she breaks the law and she goes to jail and uh, loses the $5 million, it goes to him or something. Yeah, I but don't this, know. this seems like a really in-depth way to just to get someone to lose out on $5 million. I mean, maybe he would feel like he's owed. Like, it, it, I'm just saying there are ways to get around it to get to that point. I, I don't, it's like, I don't it's, buy that. I think the problem as a whole is that the ending is just too convoluted. It comes down, if you just think about it as how, like, an abusive person tries to paint their image as not an abuser. Like, it makes sense that he would set up his brother to make it so that he seems innocent. Elizabeth Moss comes back to him. He denies it all the time, even though deep but, down okay. he knows. But that, that, does, that also doesn't make any sense because Why? maybe he is innocent of stalking her. He's not innocent of being a piece of shit their entire relationship. See, but that so it doesn't make any sense okay, for, him, for her to just go back. That right, that line of thinking right there, that convolutes it because you just gotta Did- look at the film. Like you know, he's a shitty person. You know, he does all these things. So why now all of a sudden will you just assume? Well, maybe he didn't do it. Like that. Did, did, that right there convolutes it. I'm not. I'm saying the movie definitively does not take a stance on whether he is behind it or not. I think in the end, it's trying to put you in her shoes. It's trying to make you question everything that you thought you knew throughout the entire movie. Like she, like he has done to people so many times. I agree with what Chris said, which is that to her, whether or not he's behind it doesn't matter. She would like to hear him say it. But she's going to do what she does regardless. See, to me, it something just comes down to, like, how an abuser would act. Try to set it up like they weren't the ones. Like, they were really a victim all along. She you even seems said, to be very she in tune says, with the abuser. Well, she. I'm just taking off what the movie says. She even says, like, that's his thing. He always makes it feel like like it's your fault. Like, she always, he always makes you feel like you're the crazy one. This is my problem as a whole with the uh, with the suit and with him being alive at the end of the movie. Or okay, well he's not, but like him being alive until the end of the movie, like it should remain a suicide, and then she feels as though 
something is still haunting her. She convinces herself it's him. It can still be him, but he faked his death and made himself invisible. She continued to haunt her. She goes back to look for the second suit, and the second suit's gone. I don't think there needs to be a suit. I can't deny you that it weakens. I can't deny that it sort of weakens it, but I can at least see. I can see justification in it, though. It's not what I would have done, but in I can. The suit? See, yeah, I can. It's not what I personally would have done if I was writing the screenplay. But from their point of view, like I can, I can see what it represents. Like I don't have a problem with that. I think I may like, not like it. I may think it weakens it, but I can see what they're getting at. I, I just I think, the, I think you the need grounding the it in reality just weakens the metaphor. Like because now you have to explain it, and I just don't think it matters. And they so, don't explain the suit. They don't explain how it works. Yes, they do. It's cameras. It's cameras. Yeah, they projected. say they in like the most briefest of way they sense it, but they don't get into like extreme detail. Like they don't have a scientist sitting there like. Well, this suit's just a marvel of science, you know. They have the cameras and it videotapes it and projects it onto this thin film that's over the camera lenses. Yeah, I agree that there's no corny guy like that telling you how it works. But they do explain how it works, and I'm saying they explain that, that whole how thing, he's able to do it. That's that what they explain. That whole thing could have just been removed, and it still works. I don't it works, but I don't think you're, it works as not, well. Grounding you're not reality, trusting audience to take a sort of leap of faith with you by just making it this weird unexplained supernatural phenomena. Like you're just not ex, 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 allowing people to go there with you. Well, it's not supposed to be supernatural, that's the whole thing. It's supposed to be real. It's supposed to be something that could and does happen. Not the suit. I'm talking about it domestic It is a metaphor for something that still can happen. Like, I'm not... I'm saying you're making a horror movie first. Your social commentary should not be the number one thing on your mind. It has to succeed in being a horror movie. Yeah, but it's called The Invisible Man. And it, what about as the you've suit said 12 times, the horror I know aspect? It's called The Invisible Man. Yeah, but man. you keep saying to not show a man being invisible. Like, just have it be no, some I'm supernatural not. thing. No, I am not. And they're not even it explaining can't. the suit. You literally just learned by her stumbling into the lab that there is a suit. And you see what it looks like. So then you can go, oh, okay, there's how he's becoming invisible. Boom. I'm saying I don't need that. I'm saying Wait, what it would you still prefer? works. She stabs him in the jam and all of a sudden it's glitching out. And then you're, then you're even more confused because you're like, what the fuck is going on here? No, I would prefer there to be no suit. Then how does he become I'm invisible? What about the suit? Chief? I it's don't care how movie. he becomes invisible. Why does it matter? I'm telling you why it matters. I'm telling you it matters because... Okay. If there's no suit, it can't just be anyone who becomes invisible. At that point, it has to become Adrian. If it has to be Adrian doing it, there's no involvement of the brother. If there's no involvement of the brother, there's no setting up the brother to make yourself look like the victim. If there's no setting up your brother to make yourself look like the victim, there's no scene at the end where she goes back and kills him. Like, like these all these things all connect. Like one leads into the other, and I'm saying how, as the movie how do you goes, end it? As how the do movie you end goes, it? that becomes my problem. Is like how all how of these you, things had to. But like at some point, you have all service the suit. But at some point, you have to know how he became invisible, right? No. Well, because but then how do you find out there is an invisible man? You can find out through the exact all the same shit that like happens in the movie, just without the suit. 
Yeah, but how is, the, is the, how does it so become revealed? So she stabs revealed? him with a pen, and then like, how do you know that he's dead? How do you know that you know there's some sort of finality? To yeah, it? okay, you say there's no suit, right? But how then do there you has to be it? some other means, like a cloak, an invisibility nope. cloak. <laughs> Uh, Harry Potter has to be a potion, like a potion that he makes or something. He could be a chemist, I suppose, and he drinks a potion. But then at some point, you're still going to have to have something that shows him drinking a potion. Okay, so say it's not, say it's not um, a suit, and it is explained why. And say it's not suicide. Perhaps he literally just dies during experimentation. There you go. Okay, what's he experimenting with? Chemicals? They're experimenting. They're uh, experimenting with optics technology for U.S. government use. Okay, so you're introducing the same concept they're using with optics. Okay, so technology based. I'm saying it can. I'm just saying the suit is what forces all of the convolution at the end. Like that is what is happening. No, that's, that's, no, it's and not. that's the where you get back. The, that's where you get back. If to you have saying, the suit, you don't need to tie the brother into the story. The brother agreed. was a choice I don't that was think made. the brother needs there needs to be there. I really okay. don't so care. What's so your that problem goes, with the, the suit? So that goes for that goes even further back. That has nothing to do with the suit. That goes back to the legal scene. It doesn't have to be the brother who does it. It could be literally just any lawyer that she says is going to get five million dollars. If your problems True. with the brother, why do you have a problem with the suit? Because the brother begets the suit. Like, they're all the same thing. That's a issue with the brother. Because if it was just some Joe Schmo lawyer, that Joe Schmo lawyer's not getting into the suit. Okay, maybe... Sounds like your problems with the brother, Zach. I do have a big problem with the brother because, and his involvement in all of them. Because what's the your suit. problem with the suit? Because that's just one direction. The brother taking on the suit is just one direction out of many possibilities you could have used with the suit. I Your will agree the with suit you is that not the if, problem, brother. The suit if is they not the shoot, problem. If she shoots Adrian <laughs> in the house, if they shoot him in the house, she takes off the mask, and it's him, I have far less of a problem with this movie than I do right sure. now. Okay. The problem is not with the suit, then. I still don't like the suit, but I have less of a problem with it. Okay. Because all the time you were saying it was the suit, but it's not the suit. I think you've just got a hard on It's how they use the suit. That's That's, the problem. That's that's my theory. No, I still genuinely dislike the suit. Okay. Fine. But all the things that happen are not because of the suit. Uh, Most of them are. No. It comes back to the brother. You don't like the brother. I don't like get the brother. Get the brother out of there. Get in. That's uh, your biggest issue. Is that your biggest issue? Is get the in Joe Bornstein instead to represent, and then you're you're in the clear. I think the whole brother stalking her cheapens the metaphor because I don't actually believe that it's the brother that wants to stalk her. I think that if you. It doesn't, it doesn't matter. It doesn't, it doesn't make matter any what you has, think. If it, it can't just be him that one time, it has to be him the whole time. No, it doesn't because it doesn't make any sense. He has no reason to want to stalk her. I agree with you, but like, why would it be him just that one time they happened to kill because him? Because Adrian forced him to do it. But you they didn't. Don't he didn't know, know the outcome who's of that. Doing anything from the beginning in the middle, you have no clue who's doing anything. No, it's like a best. It's like a best case scenario. It's like you tie yourself up to be a victim. Okay, so maybe that there's just logic issues, but like it still could be like a win-win, right? Like she keeps being fucked with, or she like she like gives in and says, "Okay, I'll keep the baby. I'll be with Adrian," right? So then there's like 
then you can just come out, right? And just be fine. But he's, like I'm saying, he's committing himself to being in hiding because he's already faked his suicide. Yeah. He can just say he's done all this stuff and, like, Adrian has no way to confirm that he's actually done it. Like, he can literally just say, yeah, I of course I went and visited her at the insane asylum. Of course I did that. Of course I let her know all this stuff. Like, how the fuck would Adrian know that if he, he actually did it? Because he's committed himself to being in hiding. Yeah, but being tied up under the house, I think it's kind of like a win-win, right? Because either, like, what, happen- what happens, happens, so he's able to It's the to abuser be- trying to set himself up to look like the victim. Right. I'm just saying they do a terrible job of displaying that within the movie. Sure, it is very rushed, and it's maybe a last-minute thing. Maybe they maybe uh, test screenings or something brought out this ending. I'm saying like that is a better idea than what they do now, like what how it is currently. Well, I three blame different endings. I blame the test screenings. You don't even know if there were test screenings. Oh, there was test screenings. <laughs> for a seven million dollar movie, I doubt it. I there say. were test screenings. Come on, hey hey, for a seven million dollar movie, yeah, because I doubt they're it. trying hey, to gauge how the uni- Australian dollars. Okay, they're Zach? trying to gauge also like the start of Universal Monsters. They wanted to get off the ground in a good, you know, a strong start. You're gonna get test screenings. Come on. I don't think Blumhouse has the resources or money to do test screenings. Get so. real. They don't have the resources. All their movies cost like five million dollars, and they make like hundred. They've got yeah. the resources. They've I don't think got they do. The resources. I don't think they do. Yeah, they do. Let's look it up. Let's look it up right now. You guys are blowing me away. Invisible Fuck. Man test screenings. I'd imagine they test screen something that's going nationwide. Not for that little amount. Oh, this article says why the invisible director Lee Wanell defied test screening notes. The filmmaker was born. The opening sequence wouldn't opening sequence wouldn't work. Uh, oh, maybe no. It's uh, arguably the best sequence of the movie. So, anyways, I think it's not arguable. So we is. say all that to say there was a test screening, Zach. Fine. But obviously, he didn't heed their advice, so obviously the ending did not come from test screening uh, notes. Producer's input. Blumhouse okay, so input. you're just going to change it until it's someone else's fault <laughs> besides the guy who made the they movie. They can justify it anyway, but you see fit. I mean, come on. Shit gets changed all the time by studios. Let's let's get real here. Let's not pretend this doesn't happen. I'm just saying it's messy and could have been better. I can't argue with that. Sure. But it's not a deal breaker by any means. I'm surprised you gave this a four from all the shit you're it's, talking. It's close to a deal breaker, but I think Elizabeth Moss truly shines. So, Yeah, it's all like right. one little portion. Everything leading up to that, though, is great. I love the throat slitting. I thought that was great. I, was, I also just am a sucker for a good throat slitting. So. Mm. All right, anything else to say spoiler-related for The Invisible Man? I don't understand. I mean, I guess it's it's just him attempting to control her even from the grave. But like, sending the email to his to her sister, he's just like, what do, you, what do you gain from that? What do you gain from the sister? The throat slit. You could literally have done that with somebody else. 
Well, isn't, the, isn't the whole email thing, isn't that just to isolate her? You know, she calls her the guy she went for an interview with. It's a stretch, but you can do it. Yeah, yes. I saw I saw it as more of just the way to like make her feel isolated. Well, I mean, I think and then that it, just when, es- okay, and then that just truly is what it truly is is after he slaps after she slaps his daughter, she says go stay with your sister and she already knows that she can't because of the email. So that's really what it's all about. It traps her in the house. Uh, anything else spoiler related? I don't think so. Nothing. All right. Thanks for listening. You do know that I don't put the spoiler section at the end of the show. Where do you put it? I just label it spoilers in the show notes. No, oh, that's dumb. I'm not doing that work. If you want to edit the episodes, go ahead. I'm not copying and pasting three different audio feeds to the very end just so that people <laughs> don't have to do a little bit of work to scroll past it. Whatever. I also firmly believe you shouldn't be listening to a podcast review of a movie that you haven't seen. What do you gain from that? Good conversation, humor, banter. <laughs> I've only listened to the podcast about something movies that you can seen. get from literally almost every single other podcast. So, do you like not listen to like a Joe Rogan episode on neuropsychology until you've read all the textbooks on neuropsychology? That is literally could not be more different. <laughs> you say so that could not be more different that was funny i could listen to that episode because i'm curious what that person has to say okay so they're curious what someone has to say about the invisible man maybe they're like oh i'm really on the fence about that oh i listened to that one podcast film below thing i really like what zach has to say about it i'm gonna check out the episode and see what he thought oh he liked it oh cool i'm gonna go check out that movie i don't think that happens get real i don't think that happens have you ever done that? All the time. Bullshit. That's what I do with film junk. <laughs> You're such a liar. That's what I listen to film junk for. You listen to episodes <sighs> even though you haven't seen the movie? Yeah. Bullshit. I do all the time. <laughs> That's dumb. All the time. I'll, I'll listen to ones that I have seen the movie for, and I'll listen to ones that... I don't care if I ever see the movie. So like, because like they do, there's a there's a spoiler section and a non-spoiler section. I listen to the non-spoiler section and say, "Oh, that all sounds pretty cool." Or, eh, I guess like I don't know. Maybe I'll catch it some other time. Is the spoiler section at the very end of the episode? Yeah. Oh. Typically, typically. Not always, but typically. (laughs) If you don't want to read the show notes and see that there's spoilers. I, I honestly can't do any more work for you, so sorry. I mean, you could technically do more work for you, but <laughs> I am unwilling to do more. Ah, uh, there so. it is. Better way My time is valuable enough as it is. So. All right, well, let's move on then. Before we moved on, I just want to talk about. I wanted to ask about one trailer. Did uh was Didn't there watch it. was there a Candyman trailer before Invisible Man for you guys? Yes. Zach, I know you are a Candyman fan. What did you think of the trailer for Candyman? Looks interesting, but my expectations are still very low. See, I had no expectations whatsoever. I probably wasn't going to see it. I'd never even seen the original Candyman. But this had me pretty interested. Like, it looks kind of creepy. I like what they're doing. You guys got a Candyman trailer before this movie? Yep. I didn't get one. 
Really? Have you seen the trailer? No. Like, I really like what, like, the visual style of, like, just showing the hook. Like, it looks super creepy, almost like I know what you did last summer. It's, I believe what they're doing is just utilizing Tony Todd's voice, because he's kind of, like, a little too old to probably be a, a real physical horror presence. They don't want him to make the same mistake as Halloween. <sighs> Wrong. <laughs> Wrong! <laughs> Halloween's great. But no, Tony Todd's probably like pushing seventy, so like he's probably he's just not. He's got a few What's more. He's got a few more hack and slashes left in him. Tony Todd. Tony Todd, yeah. Fucking two namer, dude. Jeez. Let's see how old he is. Tony Tollboy. Tony okay, Tollboy. So he's he's, he's sixty five right now. <laughs> Easy. He's got so some like, pep in his step. Uh, I doubt it. He's probably. I'm just. I'm just guessing. Like that's what they're doing. They they're just using him very minimally, probably due to his physical constraints. But I think I'm not. I mean, I, I got to see the movie. But based on how they splice it together in the trailer, like it's got me curious. Like I think it's. It doesn't show enough. That leaves enough to the imagination. It looks like. It's going to be about gentrification, which I could be kind of interesting. I'm kind of curious, to, like just like to how they played it out. I'm interested to see how the main character like is related to it all, because it seems like he somehow has connection to the Candyman himself, or at least the lady does, or at least the lady does. So like, I'm I'm curious to see how that plays in. I don't know. We'll we will see. We will see. Um, and I also wanted to ask, did you see the trailer for Antlers? I've seen the trailer for Antlers, but not in front of that movie. Uh, what are your thoughts on that one? Uh, I'll see it, but again, I don't have high hopes for it. No? Why is that? Uh, directed by Scott Cooper, who I'm not typically a fan of. Sure. Um, there was something else too that made me... But what if this, what if this is the sweet spot? What if this is the one that does it? I mean, it's it's possible, but I'm just you know not committing to it. I'm personally very looking much, very much looking forward to it. I'm interested to see the Wendigo played out in a story. I'm not I'm not sure if I've ever seen that before. Um, Are there any movies? Is it, is it truly a Wendigo? Because that seems odd. I think it is truly a Wendigo. There's in the trailer or the newest trailer. There's like this audio clip of this um. What I'm assuming is to be a shaman who's saying this chant, and the last word she says is Wendigo. Interesting. Because Wendigos are cannibals, so that'd be, that would be interesting. That certainly really, fits. I thought they were uh, travel vans. Winnib- Wendigos? Are you, are you thinking of a Winnebago? Oh, Winnebago's, yes. Ah, yes. Uh, Ah, yes. Well, I'm definitely getting very cannibalistic vibes from the trailer, from whatever this creature is. And then it's also played as like a Native American folk, like, or a Native American, like, legend, which this definitely is playing with, like, being, like, in some Alaskan town. Um, So, yeah, I'm pretty sure it's a Wendigo, so I'm I'm excited for that. I'll, I'll see it. But I'm excited. We might even review it on the show, maybe. 
Excited is probably just not the word I would use. Um, okay, well, we can uh, move on then. Let's get into some uh, other things that we watched this week. Uh, I'm going to be honest, I've got nothing. So it's you two. Jesus Christ. I know, I wanted to get around to some things, you know, just life. Life happens. I could talk about. All I could talk about is this TV, tele, a, a show I've been watching. That's all I got. Which is? I've been watching The Outsider. Oh, I've seen the first two episodes. I, Rachel and I are waiting for the finale. I thought you didn't watch TV, you fake fuck. Amy's watching it. Sorry that I happened to catch some while I was awake. So if you happened to catch some, you didn't watch it. Okay, true that. I have not really watched it. I have caught some of it. It seems like it gets into a supernatural element and multiple timelines of stuff, so I checked out. It is supernatural based, yeah. Yep, not interested. In Stephen King fashion. Oh, but you're okay with fucking the Invisible Man being supernatural based. I'm not. Su- I'm you not a fake fan. Fuck. I'm not generally a fan of like that stuff, especially when Stephen King does it, because I kind of know the he has a lot of very similar routes that he goes down, and I would imagine this follows that. <sighs> Zach, it sounds as though you're getting into territory where you're shitting on Stephen King, and I'm gonna have to stop <laughs> you right there before you start to say some things that you don't mean. On record, I'm saying. He has as your a lot lawyer, of really as your lawyer, great stuff stop. that I stop. love. You need to stop. But he's written over a hundred books, and for people to just say that he's that everything he does is great is a fucking lie. Like he has <laughs> bad books. No, I know. I'm just messing. I'm just messing with you, bro. Play the character. I, I, that's like old multiple timelines and maybe they're still alive in this timeline and then this like. Oh, uh, there's no t- is, there's no timeline. There's no timeline. It's like get the it's just fuck supernatural. out of here. It's just a it's a supernatural like demon that like feeds off the fear of children. Is he an outsider? Yeah, he's an outsider. What it does is, is it name? like takes the it like takes the shape of somebody, and then uses that to like murder a child and like that fear or whatever. Almost kind of like in uh, kind of like in uh, um, um, Doctor Sleep. Except, oh god! If you're gonna compare it to Doctor Sleep, I'm definitely not gonna watch it. I'm not comparing it to Doctor so, Sleep. Only in that it feeds off the fear of children. So it's another Stephen King book slash TV show slash movie slash miniseries about a monster that feeds off of kids. In essence, I'm sensing yes. a, a pattern. Yes. In <laughs> okay. essence, the cool twist that I like about it is how it. So the demon takes the shape of like takes the shape of somebody or like so there's like this demon that exists and then it morphs and takes the form of somebody and then uses that to do its killing and so like the whole thing is that all these people that have been convicted of murder of children they all like maintain their innocence right but they don't understand that there's like this demon about that's been doing it so so basically so basically it gets into it gets into like um, like issues of faith, essentially, like so, science versus faith. When I was interested, until the point Cynthia Revo's character is introduced, and at that point I was kind of like, I don't think this is something I want to devote ten hours of my life to. Checked out. Yeah, her character can be a bit much sometimes. Sometimes it feels like like the just the perfect go to where they're just like. You know, like they're so like they're so in tune to things that they just like 
it's kind of like it's almost like a, a doex mahina kind of like i was really into jason bateman like the the eyewitness accounts of like what happened in the van and like how he could be connected to that but then also the footage of him at the conference he says he's at that confirms his alibi like i was interested in that like oh well what could be going on here but then once her character gets introduced and it's like it's from another timeline. I'm like, Pfft. no, it's, there's no different. Piss off. There's no timelines. She dimension, whatever. It's not even a dimension. It's literally just like a demon that takes the shape of somebody, and like uses that like pain and fear of the family like suffering to basically just like get stronger. I do really like the scene in the second episode where that woman is running, and then the guy hangs himself and fucking swings and busts out the window. That was kind of cool. Yeah, so cool, dude. That was cool. So cool. So cool. I will say that ten episodes is definitely too long. Maybe six episodes because it feels like kind of how it feels. The way it maybe works is maybe a two and a half hour movie. Maybe <laughs> I don't necessarily mind with it being like a mini series. Um, the problem is that is it being ten episodes where one episode feels like there's some cool shit they introduce. But then the next episode feels like filler, and then you get an episode that's really cool, and you're like, "Oh, okay, cool, let's get into this." But then it's like, a, but then you get into the next episode, which is just filler. So they're just, just spreading it out. That's just my problem with everything that's made, like recently. That is typically yeah. just like I just well, let's just make it a miniseries. Like when it it really doesn't need to be. Yeah, no. Typically, that is a a big problem with like feeling a need to stretch it out by adding filler and like you think you're like really getting inside the character's head but really you're not you're just extending plot through like 15 minute dialogue scenes instead of like quick images you know um it's like but it's like one of those shows it's like you know it's not bad it's like fine to watch you know i'm not necessarily uh it's not like game of thrones back in its heyday where it's like shit man i cannot wait to get to suck it sunday that is not like wait dying to watch The Outsider, but it's been a it's been a fine way to spend the last couple weeks binging out on that. And that's that's literally all I got. So it's up to you two now to carry it. I'm up. What do you got, uh, Chris? I watched um, a concert movie on Netflix. Oh God. I watched Hans Zimmer in Prague. It's, how was how was that? It was really entertaining. It was cool seeing him play all the scores that he made. Did he do the Dark Knight score? Yes, he did a Dark Knight medley. He did an Interstellar medley, a Gladiator medley. Oh. He did a um, uh, Inception medley. He did Driving Miss Daisy. He did fucking 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 Pirates of the Caribbean. Which I don't know if that's his or not, but he did it. Anyways. I think it was Hans Zimmer. I thought it was Klaus Bladelt or whatever. Uh, Well, you keep talking about the concert. I'll look it up. It was really cool. Like, they had so many different people, and it was cool to see, like, the different instruments because they had people, like, doing solos the entire time, and they had electronic instruments. He was, like, introducing all the people that um, were doing the, like, solos on the scores and everything, and they were all really interesting people. Like, they had, um, uh, I think it was a guitarist from the band Incubus there, 
and who was doing a lot of like the guitar stuff for a lot of this um it was it was cool to see how everything came together because just because there's so much stuff going on although i will say watching hans zimmer do all of his music he really looked like he was playing like he like acting like he was feeling his scores way more than he actually did <laughs> like he was sitting there doing like you know ray charles like closing his eyes and like stevie wonder style whoa like, whoa 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 feeling like, like waving back and stuff those guys are blind that's why they do that i know that's what i'm saying though is that that's what hans zimmer was doing so chris the score was by it was both it, it was a it was a duo it was hans zimmer and that klaus fella oh okay well cool 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 uh but it was really interesting to watch i would throw it on if i just am cleaning or something but beyond that i don't think i'm ever gonna watch it again they had cool. They did a thin red line, and they had a cool visual in the background on this giant white screen. Nothing left to dissect in that one. No, I mean it's like a concert. <laughs> I'm like, there's nothing really to dissect in that. Interesting, interesting. Um, let's see. What did I watch? Oh, I got a bunch of stuff. I guess I'm the only one that watches movies anymore. I watched a movie. That was a fucking movie. Fuck you. It's, it's a movie in the loosest of terms. It's on Dropbox. I watched... Uh, I watched this technically. I watched it last week, but I would like to mention it because I think it might be of interest to the two of you. Uh, I watched Letterbox a movie Fox. from 2001 directed by Bill Paxton, starring Bill Paxton, called Frailty. And this is a movie uh has Matthew McConaughey in it. And it's about a it's a movie that's kind of told like in flashbacks. So like Matthew McConaughey goes to the police saying that he knows who the God's Hand killer is. And the guy's like, We haven't been able to figure this out. How the hell do you know who it is? He's like, Well let me tell you how I know. So he recounts kind of what happens. And uh, it's about, so when Matthew McConaughey was a child, Bill Paxton was his father, and he claims to have been touched by an angel, and like he can, he's given a list of people that are supposedly bad, and the angel is telling him that it is, God wants him to kill these people. Interesting. So it's, so Matthew McConaughey is kind of recounting his childhood, living with this man who thinks that it is his responsibility to God to kill these people. And he's kind of like conflicted with that as a child. He thinks it's wrong. He, um, he like doesn't believe his dad and it kind of just goes from there. I won't tell you too much. Cause like there's a couple twists involved, but, um, I did, th I thought it was really good. I really liked like this idea. Um, there's a, a twist at the end that I think, there's two twists, one that I think works really well and one that I think isn't that good, but it's still fine. Hmm. I'm adding it to my watch list so I do not forget about it. I didn't watch it for the longest time because I literally thought the poster looks like Billy Joe Armstrong from Green Day, so I was like, <laughs> that sounds like 
it sounds like a really shitty vampire movie that stars Billy Joe Armstrong and like I don't want to watch that but then someone that I work with was like yeah I think you'd really like this movie you should check it out and it happened to be frailty so I, I watched it and they were right I did really enjoy it nice me me pick me um I watched Jerry Maguire so fucking long it's like two and a half hours long, right? You well, tell maybe me not that long, it? but it's Jerry Maguire long. is really. I don't think it's two and a half hours, but it's a long movie, or at least it feels like it. I freaking love Cuba Gooding Jr. though. Two hours and twenty minutes. Two hours twenty minutes. It's long, dude. Like it feels like it takes so long for them to get to the point where it's shifting from him being an agent to him focusing on the relationship and then the whole movie changes and you're like this went from a story of a guy who's battling with his inner demons and then trying to salvage himself and in, in maintaining his career to him being like oh i really love this woman and it's such an abrupt change and you're sitting there watching this like what the fuck is up with this i don't care I just want to see this dude succeed. I want to see Cuba Gooding Jr. do his thing because I can say that Cuba Gooding Jr. outshines every single person in this movie and he's the only character that I care about. Wow. You don't say. How's Tom Cruise? I fucking hate Tom Cruise, dude. What was the name of that movie again? Jerry Maguire. Oh, Jerry Maguire. You don't need to watch it. It's okay. I think I, I think I definitely think I, I think I've already seen it. Yeah, you don't need to see. I it I can't again. believe that's two and a half hours. I just don't believe it. Two twenty. Really? Yeah. That's pretty wild. If, you feel every minute of that movie. <laughs> Chris, do you have anything else? Uh, yeah, I've got one more thing. Okay, I'll burn through two right now. Uh, I rewatched. Uh, Death Proof from 2007 directed by Quentin Tarantino uh, originally I would say this is probably my favorite Tarantino movie and I would say that it's not true anymore I think I still love Stuntman Mike and I love um, I love the car I love the car chases I love the car scenes I love the death by cars and I just think the problem with this movie is the Tarantino shtick just doesn't work. Like, like he's trying to recapture the same magic as like a Pulp Fiction or something like that. Or like the opening scene at Reservoir Dogs where these characters are just talking about nothing, but like you're engaged and you're interested. And I just think that just doesn't work with this these set of characters. Like nothing they talk about is all that interesting and like who cares i remember the stuff at the bar feeling very long i i mean i do like some of the stuff at the bar but anything like anything post i guess that first sequence i'm way out on rosaria dawson and i'm way out on the other lady that's there and i like zoe bell being in the movie but i think she's a terrible actress yep I do like the car chase. I do like that quite that a bit. That stuff is, is still great. Um, I kind of find it funny, even though like it's kind of lame, and if it was anybody but Tarantino, I might not give it a pass. So that's probably just more of Tarantino than anything. 
But when when uh, Stuntman Mike's got to sing, he's like, "You just made my list. I have an actual list." I am not crazy about that. I don't like it, but I my I love the part where he has Rose McGowan in the car, and she's like, she's like, "Why would you offer me a ride if you don't have a seat for me?" And he's like, "I did not offer you a ride." I just said I, you asked me for a ride and I just agreed <laughs> and then he's like are you going left or right and she's like right like, well that's a problem because if we were both going right it'd be a lot longer before you got scared but I'm going left so it looks like you're gonna have to start being scared right now and then fucking just floors it that scene's great that's pretty good but them, like, convincing this, like, hillbilly guy to let them take out the car and, like, all... I don't, maybe it's just... Maybe it's them. Maybe, like, they can't deliver his dialogue like that. Or I think it also is just a problem with the dialogue not being, like, his best. Like, it's... I think it's a combination of both. Yeah. It's only two hours, right? It's under two hours. Yeah, but it feels very long. Like it feels, it gets, very, it feels very tired at moment at parts. I think it's because like they just repeat. Like, okay. I don't under, I guess I don't understand why it's two different sets of girls. Like, it's not nearly as cathartic. Like you're feeling cathartic that he gets killed by these women because of what you saw him do to a different set of women. Like they, he really doesn't do much to these ones. Right. Yeah, the editing of it's very odd. Uh, I do like the music used in the movie. And I like the grindhouse aspect to it, like how scratchy and like old it looks. I think that stuff really works. Um, I hate Jungle Julia. Truly hate her. It's been so long because I've seen I don't really remember some of the characters. I definitely don't remember any of the music cues in it. It's more just like the, the th- score... It's like the theme for the car chase. Mm. It's really good. Um, well, I guess Chris is gone, so I'll burn through one more. Um, I watched. Uh, who directed it? Uh, from two thousand nineteen. Uh, I watched Black Christmas, directed by Sophia Tikal. Oh yeah, how was that? It's in so. This movie is kind of, like, talked about as it's super fucking terrible and really bad. And I think it's not great, but it's also not terrible. Like, I just remember hearing that it suffered greatly from being PG-13. I do agree with that. Like, there's a lot of, like, you know, it's a slasher movie. Like, it's a remake of a slasher movie. So I don't understand why you would make it PG-13. Like, you should really indulge in the genre of movie that you're making. But, like, it, they do try to, like, revamp it, and, like, it's kind of about, uh, like, frat boy rape and whatnot. And, like, it, that kind of, that stuff that it gets into is kind of interesting. Um, there's a twist, like, near the end when they finally reveal, like, who's behind it and it's like this fraternity wants women to maintain their 
natural role as like housewife and whatnot and if you're willing to like bow to that they'll spare your life but if you don't then you're a problem and like need to be killed like it's an interesting idea but like, i just don't think it's executed all that well uh emotion poots is in it she's like the main character What's as someone emotion poots i guess i don't it could be pronounced entirely differently it's the uh it's the girl from um green room wow that is her name yeah and um she's pretty good she's like she plays a character who has been date raped by someone so like they really kind of play into that are you laughing at that chris what you seem to be really like taking in a big smile when i was talking about this girl being date raped no no i was come on man her last name's poots like you're still well, you're still on that yeah dude i'm looking at her name right now chris with you should turn another light on why because with that lighting setup you kind of look like those creepy old guys you would get on chat roulette <laughs> all right that's much better. That's worse. Turn it off. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. Um, so, anyways, you were talking about date rape? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so back to date rape. I <laughs> guess <laughs> uh, like it's, not, it's not terrible. It's not great. I was more or less just curious because I heard how terrible it was and I wanted to see if it truly is that terrible. And I'm here to tell you that it's not. Hmm. Okay, good it's to know. pleasantly average. Okay. Me. My my turn, right? Alright. My um, last movie I saw was I watched uh, Semi-Pro. Nice. nice. You see, you say that, but like, I watched it and... It's was not a, good. Oh, it went, went down, huh? <laughs> yeah, it went down quite a bit. Will Ferrell's not that funny in this movie. He has moments where he shines. The song he sings, absolute 10 out of 10. But Andre 3000, I don't think was meant to be funny. I like no, that he goes to heaven and his mom introduces him the concept of an alley-oop. And oh it's like my his gosh. invention. <laughs> I like, I like, I still like the part about the jejunum. Like the throwing up thing. <laughs> When he's crawling around on the floor and he's just like, PBS wanted to do a documentary about me. <laughs> that was funny. It's just like, I don't know. It's just there's so many jokes. There's like not as many jokes in the movie as I remember for something being so funny when I was a kid. And I mean, they also just swear a lot, which also helps like something being funny when you're a kid. I, there was like one there was two bits that were genuinely funny i thought the jejunum part was funny and i thought the part where they're all sitting around the table the poker table and he was like did you call me a jive turkey no no he called you a, a cocksucker yeah i yeah, still, no, I I still like the part where um he like gets he jackie moon i also i love that his name is jackie moon yeah Pretty. and then he like fouls out and then he's like Suck my cock, I'll kill your family. And he kicks the ball across the court. Oh, my mother's in heaven. Maybe she didn't go to heaven, Jackie. <laughs> what did you say? 
What's the name of the song? Love me sexy. Yeah. That's, that's oh, was it get on your like, get on your knees and love me sexy? Yeah. It was like it was something about like filling a bathtub full of sweat and like loving you sexy. I like I legitimately listened to that song when it came on in the movie, and I was like, this is so fucking ridiculous. What about like um, the scene with the bear? I, I was not impressed. Really? It wasn't as funny this time. And it makes me sad because, like, I loved this movie. I thought it was freaking hilarious. So, what about... the guy who directed Semi Pro, that's literally the only movie he's ever done. <laughs> what about. Um... I shouldn't laugh. He had a failed career. I'm sorry. Yeah, he kind of tanked after that. So, there's that movie, or sorry, that scene, like, where if they score a certain number of points, everyone in the. Oh, the corn dog scene. Free corn dogs. He's trying to like, he like swats his own teammates. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like that was kind of funny. I thought the hippie guy was funny, but like, I don't know. It just kind of sucked. Like, I could easily say before it was probably like a four point five or four out of five. But and now? now it's now it's at like. A one and a half, two. Yeah, it's it's Ooh, a big drop. That's yeah. a stinker. That's a stinker right there. It it's a bad movie, guys. It's not. You don't mess with the Zohan bad, but it's it's. You bad. shut your whore mouth. It's it's a bad movie, dude. Ooh, that is that is stanky. Yeah, it was sad. It's sad, but natural course of life. We all start off great, and then we end up being terrible in the end. That's real nice. <laughs> um, so that's it for you, Chris? That's it. That's all I got. I, I guess I can burn through these last four things. Uh, I watched, again, I rewatched from uh, 2002, directed by Eli Roth, Cabin Fever. Uh, I love Cabin Fever. It's fantastic. I think you guys should make a note of it. If you haven't seen it, you should watch it. Yeah, it's one of, it's one of my blind spots. I, uh, we will be talking about it again, I would say, in probably about 37 episodes, I would say. We'll probably, we'll probably mention it again. Whoa. Wow. Um, interesting to note, <laughs> it's well known that Eli Roth and Quentin Tarantino became good friends, and there are some things in this movie that Tarantino would go on to use in his own career. Oh. For example, Snakey. the movie is about a flesh-eating virus that attacks this group. That it's, it's in the water. It attacks this group of kids that go to a cabin for a weekend. And there is a scene where a woman infected with the disease is on top of a man, and she vomits blood all over him. Oh. There is also a moment in which, in slow motion, I might add, a man is shot, and as he is, like, falling from being shot, he shoots someone else, and, like, their stomach kind of, like, Bleh! would also be used by Tarantino again. A little hate so, blade action. Maybe, uh, maybe Eli Roth is the real genius. <laughs> maybe. Hmm. Um, there's a scene, speaking of flesh-eating bacteria... There's a scene where a lady is shaving, and you can only imagine what happens there. And it still gives me chills to this day to see it on screen. 
Uh, a lot of great just practical effects. Um, some good like flesh-eating stuff. Some good sores Ooh. that open up on people's bodies. Nice. Some good, some good stuff. Fuck, dude. Um, it's 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 a five out of five for me. Nice. I love it. Uh, I watched um, a WWE production starring Halle Berry from 2013, directed by Brad Anderson, uh, entitled The Call, in which Halle Berry is a 911 operator, and she receives a call from a woman, a small child, actually, uh, who has been abducted and is in the back, this was in the trunk of a vehicle, and the movie is kind of Halle Berry instructing the girl on, like, what to do, like, how she can help herself in this situation, and uh, six months prior to this event, Halle Berry like got a, was working. She got a, a call from someone who's in the middle of a home invasion, and she helps the lady like trick the home invader to like thinking she went outside. They lose connection. Halle Berry calls back, and Halle Berry calling this young girl back leads the man to find her, and like she dies, and Halle Berry feels responsible. For, like, thinking she's the one who got her killed, which, I mean, let's face it, she was. It is her fault. Um, so she now has this just weighing over her, Chris. Like, she doesn't... She's very conflicted with her career, doesn't know if she can keep doing this anymore. Yeah. And then this happens, and it brings all these bad memories back up of how, you know, she has to help this girl because she cannot let another girl die on her watch. She cannot let that happen. No. And, like, it obviously ventures far out of the realm of possibility because a 911 operator would never just leave their station and like, go and help this one girl because now you're you're valuing one life over someone else's life who might need you like you just can't do that if you're in that position don't know if, if i buy that but like there's some really cool stuff that happens like with the girl being in the trunk and like Halle Berry like helping her so like kicking out the headlight or the taillights and like sticking your like arm out and like waving so that someone else sees you so that they can kind of like pinpoint where you are. Um, you know, pouring paint like out of that hole. Like there's a paint can in the back and she's like pouring paint out of the hole from the headlight. So there's like a visible trail so that helicopters in the sky can kind of like notice you and see where you are. Mm-hmm. Um, some really weird things about the guy who kidnaps her, like, it's, it's kind of hinted that he has incestuous feelings towards his dead sister. Okay. And, like, he's kidnapping girls that kind of look like his sister who died of cancer. And, like, there's, like, Halle Berry, like, finds these... Or, sorry, Morris Chestnut. Morris Chestnut's in the movie. He's a handsome man. And he, like, goes to their house once they figure out who it is. And, like, he sees this weird shrine that this guy has of his sister. And you kind of piece it together, like, oh, this those two girls kind of look like his sister and he sees these photos of like this guy kissing his sister on the lips and like kind of fucked but yeah it's it's pretty good it's kind of thrilling a little intense um didn't hate wasn't great solid 3.5 maybe a four i'm gonna get a t-shirt that says that with your face on it in quotation what (laughs) didn't hate wasn't great uh, let's see here. 
Um, I watched from 1990, directed by Sally Madison. This is Slumber Party Massacre Part 3. You're all about those Slumber Party Massacres right now. How many, one, how many massacres have to occur at a slumber party before you no longer have slumber parties? I, this is only three. Like, are they? Connect- you think you're oh, gonna stop having slumber parties at three massacres? Still isolated. I okay. So. Is it all connected through so. one person, or are they just isolated events? They're isolated events. Well, actually, the first two are connected. This one is a bit more removed. Uh okay. <laughs> I would recommend the second one. The second one is amazing. I don't know if I talked about it. But uh, the killer in the second one has like a guitar that all, that like where you would have strings as like a drill bit, and he uses that to kill people. What? And, like, there's there's literally a scene. There's a scene where he like is like sings a rock song. Like the movie just takes a break. He has this musical number, and then like he goes back to killing these teens like in a house. It's so awesome. What? It's the best. Uh, full movie available on YouTube. You could watch it right now. Uh, Slumber Party Massacre 3, though. That sounds so bad. Um, not that great. Um, no musical bits? No, no musical numbers. They kind of try to ground it more in reality. Oh, you hate when that happens. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty bad. <laughs> um, what's, what's the weapon of choice in this one? It's oh, well in all of these it's like a it's like a drill bit. That's what they use for whatever reason. Not really explained ever, but it's just what they use. No guitar in this though. No guitar. Someone is killed like kind of killed with a dildo. So like they they throw it or they use it while someone's in the shower to like electrocute them so they die. Which is a very good use if you're if you're a murderer. Keep that smart. in mind. Smart, smart. You could, you could use that. <laughs> Um, this one is like after like playing volleyball, they notice like a weird guy at the beach, and they think that's who the killer is, but it's not. It is the boy is the love interest of one of the characters, whose uncle dilled him when he was a child, so now he feels like he has to murder young women. Apparently, yep, I- yep, I see it all the time. It's kind of weird how that happens sometimes, but classic you know. Colorado shit. Yeah. <laughs> uh, like I said, this one's probably the worst. I think two is the best. One is good, and then this one's just—it's whatever. Is there a slumber? Par- you know what you're getting. Is there a slumber party massacre four? SLM four. Unfortunately, or SP- no. SPM four. Unfortunately, I will have to return to the sorority house massacre movies now. Bummer. <laughs> It goes. It goes from slumber. Was a slumber party massacre. Is that what it's called? That's what it's called. It, it goes slumber party massacre one two three and then slumber party massacre back from hell. No, it doesn't. That movie doesn't exist. I'm not saying it does. I'm just saying that's classic. Is there? A, is there like a frat shit. house slaughter? There is actually, but it's it's much more recent. So I don't know how good it is. Is it called frat house slaughter? It's called Frat Boy. Um, B O I. No. <laughs> <laughs> I there is one. It's like fraternity slaughter or something. I don't know. Um, 
yeah, I'll move on from that. It's, there's not much to say about it. It's kind of, it's, it's whatever. It's something, you know, you, you watch because you've seen the other two, so you might as well just watch this one. Is that also on YouTube at our disposals? Yeah, it is actually, yeah, if you were interested. All right, cool. Um, I'll have queued up right now, ready to go, Hide and Go Shriek from 1988, so we'll, we'll check that one out. Uh, lastly, the, uh, the main event here is I watched, um, from 1933, directed by James Whale, starring Claude Rains. This would be The Invisible Man. And with a runtime of approximately 72 minutes. That's beautiful. You can't really go wrong. Uh, so this is about... So the movie starts with him being invisible. And he goes to this sort of remote uh, village. And he's trying to like... He's basically trying to come up with an antidote so that he can make himself visible again. And then... You know, things kind of happen from there. He realizes um, the kind of power he can have being invisible. And he starts becoming corrupted by that and, like, wants to really take advantage of it. And, you know, there's... I was kind of... It's not that scary. It is kind of tense in moments. Um, but, like, there's... I was surprised by, like, some of the offbeat comedy in it like there's he has like a lot of one-liners as he's like showing people up like making them look stupid <laughs> and like like some of it's pretty good like he there's a, a scene like where the police think they have him surrounded and he's like he just starts skipping down the um skipping down the path like just singing a song like making fun of them and then, you know, he takes someone's bike and starts pedaling away. Then he throws it at them. <laughs> awesome. Uh, like, there's some some interesting, like, stuff in this movie about, like, how you would go about capturing, like, an invisible man. So, like, there's a part where they, like, people, ha like, have a big net and they just walk from one side of the room to the other trying to see if they could, like, pin him against the wall. That's kind of cool. That's kind of clever. Um, so, like, they, they also have, uh, like, they set up a perimeter of, like, kind of, like, dirt, so they could, a thin layer of dirt, so they could see, like, if it was broken or not, if he had happened to walk through it. They have, like, small little guns that spray out, like, a black paint that, like, you would be able to, he would be able to see him. Uh, he also mentions in the movie that, like, he can't be seen an hour after he eats because you can see the food digesting in his system. Like, he can't go out in heavily industrialized cities because there's a thin layer of soot that, like, collects on him. And you would be able to see his outline. He can't go out in the rain because you could see him. Just stuff like that. Like, that's, like, the very intricate details of living a life in which you are invisible that I thought was really interesting. Uh, I really liked the costuming. Like, he wraps himself up in bandages so that he can be seen. He has, like, an overcoat and, like, the hat and the glasses that I think looks looks kind of creepy, but also, like, a really cool choice for he doesn't want to remain invisible all the time. He wants to be seen and, like, have conversations with people. 
Um, There's some interesting visual effects stuff in the movie that is still kind of impressive, given that the movie is like almost a hundred years old. Like him taking, looking in a mirror, taking the bandages off, and like him still remaining invisible, is kind of like, whoa, how the fuck they do that? That's kind of cool. And then like scenes of him like walking through snow, is like footprints appear. Like it's kind of like, oh, that's it's cool for the time. And um, yeah, I mean, there's it is it is what it is. It's a it's a 1930s horror movie. Like it's it's a cool little like artifact, I guess, of film history. But it's not going to be scary, I don't think, to like a modern audience. But it's still worth watching. You know what I really expected to be that scary. It has all the same kind of like tropes of early movies like pretty hammy performances and like overacting and not great physical actors like him pushing someone down looks very fake um i think claude rains is actually really good like he has he just has that voice he has that bravado of like a very commanding presence even though he's never seen in the movie and again i just like it's pretty simple. I like the simpleness of it. I like this idea of him realizing the potential of being invisible and then not wanting to be cured after that. So overall, I would say not my favorite Universal monster movie, but still pretty good. What's your stance on Hollow Man? I haven't seen it in a while. I remember it being pretty rapey yeah definitely i i i wanted to rewatch it uh, i didn't get a chance to i probably will this week but uh directed by paul verhoeven yeah I'd imagine it's a little dicey i'm very curious to rewatch it i remember seeing it as a kid definitely probably being way too young to watch that i i vaguely remember the scene of him like almost sexually assaulting a woman. dude there's like so much of that movie i remember oddly enough I remember stuff like with the sprinkler system at the end, and like that's kind of how they find him. Yeah, there's like that, and like him in the car, like while he's wearing like the latex skin. Oh, that's um, right. yeah. Like the scene with the the gorilla, where like you see it disappear, and then you see like the arteries and the veins and the skeleton, and finally it's invisible. I don't remember that. Yeah, oddly enough, a lot I remember about that movie. I don't know why. I'll have to watch it again. Um, anything else, Zach, you watched this week? That is it. Chris? I'm done, though. All right. Well, as always, thank you for downloading. Thank you for listening. Uh, what are we doing next week? That is a great question. The hunt? Well, I guess we can. Onward. Are, oh, wait. It comes recording. out next Friday. Oh, wait. We'd have it, literally two it days. It comes out Friday, so you'd have two, two days, days to see it, it before we have to record. True, true, true. Um, is there anything that came out this week? Onward is the big release. Uh, nope. It's a no for me, dog. It's wow. a no for me as well. Ah, wow. Okay. I mean, we can make the hunt work. I get, Or, like, I can make the hunt work. If that's what we want to do, uh, I I'll probably have a hard time seeing it, but unless we record at night and I just I catch a matinee on Sunday, but that m- can, it still might be tough. 
What about you Emma? Can also do something else. No. No. I would watch Emma. Oh, Impractical Jokers, the movie. No, shut up. No. <laughs> this is literally what I was talking about last week. Like, I really think there's enough movies we can watch. Where we don't have to be seeing garbage we don't want to see. Um. Well, we can think about it. We can talk about it and figure out what we want to do. Uh, until then, uh, have an excellent week. Bye-bye. Bye.